You ready? 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 Watch out, Grateful! features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition yeah. of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. I am your host, Steve, as always, and I am with Lou and Diane currently tonight. I believe Alex will be joining us at some point uh, coming up here. But we have a lot to get to. We have the NHL and NBA Conference Finals almost fully taken shape. There's still a few games left to decide who will be in respective spots. But we do have some matchups already to go, so we will – dive into those, and also we'll, we'll take a look at the semifinals as well and see what went wrong for certain teams and uh, what, what what basically, uh, depending on what the series is right, uh, right now for whichever series we're going to be talking about, uh, we will see what can potentially be done uh, to right the ship for each specific, for each specific team. Uh, we also have some free agency updates in the NFL to talk about. We have the NHL draft lottery as well to discuss as, well, a certain uh, a certain team ended up winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Uh, we will get to that. So first, oh, yeah. Lou and Diane, how are you doing? All right, Steve, thanks. Good. I forgot about that. Hunter. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's get into it right now. Actually, uh, we'll start yeah. with the NHL draft lottery. As everybody knows, that Connor Bedard is basically well. Let's let's put it this way: he he's the next Sidney Crosby, the next Alexander Ovechkin, the next yeah. Austin Matthews, the next Connor McDavid. Well, I, don't know. I would say Connor McDavid. No, no, nobody's going to Connor McDavid. No, no. Well, Bedard, uh, Connor Bedard, who he is, he's basically a he, he's the he's the newest guy that is coming out for the number one draft pick in the NHL. And okay. just to give, uh, he played he played for the Regina Pats of the Western Hockey League, uh, the WHL which is basically the juniors. Uh, He's played there the last three seasons, and he officially is declaring himself for the NHL draft this year. And, well, actually, technically, once you hit the the age of 17, 18, you technically can be drafted by the NHL, by an NHL team. Uh, And so far, uh, through through 57 games this year, he had 71 goals and 72 assists for 143 points with the with the Regina Pats, which I oh, believe wow. was tops. I think it was tops in the Canadian Hockey League, uh, all three leagues: the QMJHL, the OHL, and the WHL. Uh, I think he, I think he had the top. Yeah, he's what people are calling a generational type rookie. To where right. 
you know, you, you add him to a team and he's going to completely transform that team. Like McDavid transformed the Oilers. Uh, oh, he's going to transform the Devils. How, who, transform, uh, who transformed the Devils? We need him to. <laughs> you got somebody to transform the Devils, well, guy. Really? Yeah, no. you, you already had Jack. somebody. You got Jack Hughes. You got Jack. Okay. But Chicago, I'm, honestly, I mean, I mean, the New Jersey Devils, though, they need to, they need to make a massive trade up in order to get Bedard as the Chicago Blackhawks, who are about to lose Jonathan Tays to free agency. And it has been determined, by the way, that Jonathan Tays will not be returning to Chicago. So they lose Jonathan Tays, and in return – they are now getting Connor Bedard, who is basically the next the next Connor McDavid, essentially. When it comes oh, to assuming assuming that he can transition correctly from the juniors over to the NHL, which I mean, let's be if perfectly he honest. If he's juniors, I think Chicago is going. I think Chicago is going to be quite well next season. I mean, I think you know, this team might be something. Become a big star here. Yeah, you know, I think it's. I think he has the potential to be a to be a yeah, huge yeah. star uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks, especially now with the and and then uh, you know this is something that has been brought up. I don't know if it's going to be definitive or not, but there are talks that they could potentially lure Patrick Kane back to Chicago. Assuming he doesn't want to re-sign okay. with the Rangers, so basically, basically Chicago, what they did is essentially, if they get Patrick Kane back, they basically tanked so that they could get Connor Bedard, and mm-hmm. they replace Jonathan Taze with with Connor Bedard. And they say he can't go home again. Which, yeah, exactly. Which I mean, you know, it's it's kind of intriguing when you think about it that. You you want to talk about a team taking fully taking yeah. advantage of where they are in the standings, and keep in mind they had I think it was like an eleven percent like each of the top three teams had like an eleven percent chance of getting the number one pick. Yeah, uh, I believe I believe Anaheim was. I think they were the second or third worst team in the league. They ended up getting number two. Uh, Columbus, who had – yeah, I think they were the second. They were either the second or the third uh, when it came to the overall standing. And Columbus, though, was the big losers as they had they had the worst record in the, in the league. Everybody thought that they were going to land Connor Bedard, and they fall to number three. Which, you know, as everybody everybody predicted, you know, you know, normally when a team falls from number oh. one, usually the most likeliest place that they fall to is either three or four. Yeah. And uh, let's br- let's bring in uh, Kyle, who is uh, who is joining us. Kyle, are you a fan of uh, Are you a fan of hockey? A, a little bit. Um, I mean, so good. I guess it, it, it's funny because. I, I'm 
if I have to choose like a team, it's probably Edmonton Oilers, uh, only because I I know the general yeah. manager. Um, I, I I know, but like it, it's just cool to say like, hey, I know a GM of a major sports team. Like who else can say that? Okay, you know what okay. I mean? <laughs> yeah. So True. I mean, I don't follow it too too closely, but um, I I do know about Connor Bedard. Um, he, I guess he's the next like second coming of. A guy from Edmonton, Connor, with the same name, Connor. So, I mean, if if you can be anything remotely like, you know that you know that that other Connor from Edmonton, then I, you know, but he sounds like he's a once in a generational generational kind of talent. So, you know, no, that's it for you. Yeah. You got you got you got something, Luke. Yep. Bracken up on what do we got? Four to two. Yeah, four to two, and uh, Dallas actually almost just scored to start off the third. They ended up hitting the crossbar uh, to start off the third. Who is Dallas playing? Uh, Devils are eliminated. I know, I ain't asked Who is Dallas playing? Oh, they're playing. They're playing Seattle. Okay. The Seattle Kraken, and uh, right now. Seattle needs this win in order to tie up the uh, Western Conference uh, semifinals at three games apiece. Mm-hmm. To yeah, Kyle, to to go with your uh, with your thing about the comparison to Connor McDavid. I mean, you take a look at Connor McDavid this year in in the the NHL: sixty four goals, eighty nine assists, one hundred and fifty three points. I mean, it's pretty pretty close. Uh, he only scored about. 10 points more than Connor Bedard did in the juniors. Now, of course, the juniors is a lot different from the pros. So, you know, you do have to wonder if Bedard will be able to transition uh, as well as McDavid did, or if he's going to have growing pains like other, other number one overall picks like Alexis Lafreniere, and uh, Jack Hughes, although Jack Hughes has now grown into uh, a point-per-game player for the New Jersey Devils a lot a lot quicker than Lafreniere has for the Rangers. So, you know, it, yeah, it, 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 it does. Go ahead. No, so, so I, I think uh, to your, your point, you know, even if he does take him, say, a year or two to kind of get to the speed of the NHL, you know, <clears throat> look at a guy like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a college basketball player that took, like, a couple of years to get up to speed into the NBA, you know, right. but now, you know, you know what I mean, they're kind of, like, amazing. So, you know, I, I think uh, even if it does take him a year or two, you know, it, it's, a, it's a risk I think any team would love to have, you know. Kind of like, so it's a bad right. comparison, but it's like Luca. It's like Luca coming into the NBA. He was already automatic, automatically great because he he played in Europe. You know, he played in you know against the, the Barcelonas and the Real Madrid right. of the world. You know, so you know, so he he knows what it's like. But you know, it, it might take him you know a month, two months to okay. This is the speed of it. You know, I can't. I gotta be kind of here on my forecheck or you know a little bit. Little different things that will translate, I think, um, is definitely worth the risk of 
you know, somebody. If you're getting compared to Connor McDavid and the next, you know, kid of, of, you know, of hockey, I think it's a definitely a risk any team would love to have, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, I'm bringing, I'm bringing up one of the other former number one overall picks uh, in Lafreniere. Let's pu- pulling, pulling up his stats. He's, he's spent three, three seasons in the league so far. And he has, through three seasons, 216 games played, 47 goals and 44 assists for 91 points. Now, you compare that to his last junior season, which where he played for the Ramuski Oceanic of the QMJHL, he had 35 goals and 77 assists. And he was being yeah. looked at as a, as a generational player at the time. So, you know, this just goes to show the risks of a potential number one overall pick. You know, you're not – it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a legitimate impact player. However, though, with Bedard, I see a lot of similarities in Bedard uh, compared to Connor McDavid. So – I have the feeling, you know, Chicago, they're already in the middle of a rebuild as it is, having traded away Patrick Kane at the deadline, and they're starting to play their young guns. Now, Connor Bedard is going to get the opportunity, assuming they don't trade the number one overall pick. Uh, They would be stupid to do so, in my opinion, considering the draft stock that they already have to begin with. But I feel that you know, Bedard compared to compared to Alexis Lafreniere, Lafreniere was was put in a in a place where you know he was expected to succeed immediately because the New York Rangers they happened to own one of the first round picks, which happened to be a lottery pick as a result of one of the trades that they had made, and they just ended up lucking out to win the draft lottery that year back in 2020 and they end up getting Alexis Lafreniere that year like they did. The Chicago Blackhawks though considering how how young they are when it comes to their when it comes to their core of players it gives a little more room to where, okay, they understand that this is a rebuild. Uh, You know, you're not expected to succeed right away. And if anything, kind of makes you think that maybe perhaps Bedard won't necessarily have that much pressure on him right away, as opposed to other first round picks like Jack Hughes or Alexis Lafreniere did. And just going down the rundown of the draft order, when it comes to the the uh, lottery picks, Chicago they get number one, Anaheim's at two, Columbus is at three, San Jose is at four, the Montreal Canadiens they round out the top five, and it sounds like they might take Leo Carlson with that pick potentially, if he is still on the board. Uh, Arizona gets number six. Philly gets number seven, Washington with number eight. The Detroit Red Wings get number nine. St. Louis, they get number 10. 
Vancouver gets 11. St. Arizona gets number 12 from the Ottawa Senators due to the Jacob Chitrin trade. So Ottawa's pick ended up falling at number 12. That, of course, goes to Arizona. Buffalo gets yeah. 13. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they get 14. And the last two teams are the Nashville Predators and the Calgary Flames, rounding out yeah, the top who... 16 uh, lottery picks in this year's draft. So, you know, well, overall, overall, Lou, you're in the yellows on that list. Well, um... You know what? That is a good question. Let me well, they made the check playoffs, real quick. So I don't think we're married to them. Probably not, but we're, we're, I'm curious to you know where they are. Probably like about yeah, uh, hang 26 on. Yeah, let me, let me see if I can find that, actually. Because I know that, I know the Bruins are at 28, I think, which now belongs to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But let me let me just double check that though because All right, so after 16 we get Detroit at number 17 which they ended up getting from the New York Islanders. Uh 18 is Winnipeg, 19 is Chicago from Tampa Bay. 20 is Seattle. 21 is Minnesota. Now, let's let's keep in mind that apart from the final two picks of the first round, the draft picks go by where you finish in the standings when, when it comes to uh, after the draft lottery. Uh, so 21 goes to Minnesota, 22 Columbus from L.A., 23 goes to the Rangers, 24 goes to Nashville. That is coming from Edmonton. 25 is St. Louis. That comes from Toronto. 26 is San Jose. That comes from New Jersey. So New Jersey Mm -hmm. does not have a first-round pick this year because uh, due to the Timo Meyer deal uh, that brought Timo Meyer to New Jersey, uh, San Jose holds New Jersey's pick at number 26. Okay, so do they have a second round pick? Uh, they, yes, they do. They have a, their second round pick is at 58 overall, which basically oh. is the 26th Wow, pick. that's really low. No, yeah, but this is a stacked draft. So yes. there is still going to be pretty good talent, even at 58 overall. Okay. And, I mean, there is a possibility maybe New Jersey could potentially trade back up into the first round. You know, it's possible. Um, Okay. It is. Let's see. 27 goes to Colorado. 28 goes to Toronto from Boston. 29 goes to Montreal from Florida. 30 goes to St. Louis from Dallas. 31 goes to Vegas. And 32 goes to the Carolina Hurricanes. That is, of course, right now as it stands, depending on, uh, you know, they're basing this off of who's favored to win the uh, 
to win the Stanley Cup. That, of course, could change. Like, say, say for example, if Vegas wins the Cup, then Vegas will be pick number 32. And whoever they whoever they beat will be number 31. It all depends. On, basically, usually the final four draft picks of each round usually belong to uh, the final four teams remaining in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And speaking of which, let's talk about this current series right now with the Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars. Uh, Seattle currently holding a 4-2 to two lead over the Dallas Stars here in a must-win game six. And, Lou, I, you know, I remember telling you earlier today that I thought that Seattle or that uh that Dallas had what they needed in order to you know put Seattle away tonight but yes. lo and behold you know Seattle they've they've been riding their veterans Yanni Gord and Jordan Everly both with the to get Seattle off to a hot start and Actually, for uh, to start off the game, Seattle and Dallas both traded goals back and forth. Uh, Seattle ended the first period with a two-to-one lead off of goals from Yanni Gord and Jordan Everly. Uh, Mason Marchment had the lone goal for Dallas in the first period. Second period, Seattle score, scored two more times to take a four-to-one lead off of goals from Eli Tolvanen who they got at the – or close – actually, no, they didn't get at the deadline. They got him off waivers, I think, so they didn't even need to, to yeah, give away so. anything. Uh, as well as Ty Karchi, uh, both of them scoring their third goals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, however, Joe Pavelski, uh, the longtime veteran who mm-hmm. used to be uh, with the San Jose Sharks, he scored his eighth goal of the playoffs to cut the deficit from three to two. So, and now we're, we're down to about 11 and a half minutes left in the third period here. I mean, you know, granted Dallas could, put, Oh, never mind. There's another goal five to two now for the Seattle Kraken. So it looks okay, like this one that. is probably going to get wrapped up here. So it it does sound like we're going to have a game 7 and you know, I guess we I guess we can't really be surprised about this. When no, you consider the fact that. when you consider the fact that this is the same team that knocked off the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. So right, what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts first? What are your thoughts first, Lou, on this uh, on this series so far? I mean, Seattle, you know, for being a, an expansion team in their second season, they're looking like a legitimate threat. They are. I mean, that's been the big surprise all year. Uh, the second, you know, your team, you know, manages to stack up against you know uh, against the veterans, but uh, Seattle is showing why they why they're there. Um, and of course, this series hasn't been a big surprise at all. And so we're looking at, you know, uh, the uh, Stanley Cup uh, Conference Finals to be against the two uh, newest teams in the league. That's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's possible that if Seattle does win this in seven, 
Uh, by the way, Dallas did just get that goal back, so it is now five to three. Off they only of spoke a, to off of a Dallas Stars goal here uh, from Joel Kiviranta. But, you know, I do find that kind of interesting, Lou, that with the most recent two uh, expansion teams, Vegas, of course, has already been to the Stanley Cup Finals before, and now potentially Seattle. And now potentially Seattle, I mean, this could actually make a pretty good case for – for, for future expansions. I mean, I know they're talking yeah. about potentially bringing back Quebec. They're talking, they're talking uh, a couple of areas, actually. I heard another one. What do you got? Atlanta. Yes. Yes. I did. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because that I forgot about that. Team that twice. Well, you know, a lot of people believe that the, that they that the Atlanta Thrashers never should have left Atlanta. They said about the Flames. Who are the Lamb Who are the Atlanta Thrashers? Uh, now the, now, I think uh, aren't they Winnipeg? Now. Winnipeg, the new the newly formed Winnipeg Jets. Okay. They said the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say it. What are the though, Steve? You know. Because they did pretty well, but uh, for some reason they decided to move to Calgary. So this is the same thing about that too. True, and you know it, it is kind of surprising though, because uh, a lot of people thought that it would be Quebec that would be the most logical place to bring back a hockey team to, because you know the Quebec Nordiques uh, used to be part of the uh the NHL for about mm-hmm. 16 years before they uh before they left in 95. Right. So, you know, Quebec has been has been around that uh has been around that talk for quite some time actually to begin with. Yeah, of course that be the that be the big You now call the Colorado Avalanche. Okay. Yeah, they're now they're now the Colorado Avalanche, but uh, they were the Quebec Nordiques from 1979 to 1995. Well, technically okay. 1972 to 1995, but they joined the NHL uh, back in '79. Okay. And they also had the Avco Cup back in the WHA days, uh, but they never had a Stanley Cup. So, uh, however, though back to the potential matchup between Vegas and now, obviously Vegas still has to do their jobs and defeat the yeah. Edmonton Oilers, which is easier said than done, but. You know, Lou, I'm kind of surprised at some of the scores in this in this Vegas Edmonton series. I mean, yeah, I know Edmonton has a rookie goaltender, but I was expecting that 
you know, this would be – I thought this would be more of a series like game one when Vegas beat Edmonton 6-4. to four. Then we had Edmonton 5-1, to one, Vegas 5-1, to one, Edmonton 4-1, to one, and Vegas – uh, just recently, as as uh, last night, Vegas four to three. We mm. have a know what does that with the um, you know, with the Dallas Carolina series. I mean, in the first four in the first four games, I mean, it was pretty much one side it was all you know, all scoring. The only close game was game five. I mean, we had eight four, right. we had eight three, whatever. So it was kind of like that. Eventually, both teams ran out of gas in Game Five. Now it's a little scoring because how many high scoring games got have that, especially in a seven-game series? Uh, not a lot, but uh, this was an exception. Four of the five games were lopsided. There was high scoring. Eventually, something had to give. But fortunately uh, for the Devils, uh, you know they just, they just ran out of gas when it happened in overtime. And of course, yeah, let's you know it only, it only takes one stupid penalty. That can screw you up, and ladies and gentlemen. Right, and you know, let, let's bring that. Let's bring that up too. Uh, yeah. With New Jersey, you know, New Jersey. New Jersey. They ended up giving up a shit ton in order to bring in, uh, in order to bring in Timo Meyer. They also made a depth move for their fourth line, and they brought in Curtis Lazar from Vancouver. And ultimately, I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened with New Jersey. I, I did say that it was their, you know, it was their goaltending that was, yeah. in my opinion, uh, the Achilles heel for them. Yep. Considering they have, you know, they have all of the offensive and defensive talent that any playoff team could want, but... What's more puzzling to me, though, is that Carolina is playing without their top three forwards. Mm. And yet, they beat the De- they didn't just beat the Devils, they thrashed the Devils in this yeah. series. I mean, D- Diane, let's try to wrap my head around this, Diane. Mm-hmm. What happened with the Devils in this series? I have no idea. Carolina was a good team and I couldn't beat them. Carolina had superb offense, and I knew that I knew there was going to be some going in that series. I didn't think the Devils' defense was going to be able to match up with that, so I wasn't surprised by by this at all. I mean, you had to give them one game, but I knew Carolina was going to win this win this series. Sorry to disappoint you, Dell fans out there, but Carolina was just too strong going into the series, and I knew that was going to happen. So this didn't surprise me whatsoever. Wow, uh, we have breaking news here. Uh-oh. Uh oh, the Phoenix Suns have relieved Monty Williams who was the coach of the year last Love year him. with a 64-18 and 18 record. They have relieved Monty Williams of his coaching duties. Oh, boy. Just like that. Well, after the embarrassing loss at home two years in a row, uh, yeah. So, I mean, 
Because when you lose like that, embarrassing at home in a playoff game like that, in an elimination game, you know something's going to happen. Yeah, but can you really put that on him, though? Well, look, I mean, I, I mean, look what happened to the Bucks coach. You know, they had the best record. Look what happened to that. Did that was that expected? Uh, no. True. Yeah, you're right. I did. You know, I forgot. You know, Budenholzer was used as a scapegoat, and I assume yeah. this is probably what they're doing here with Monty Williams, using him as the scapegoat, even though they didn't have Chris Paul, they didn't have DeAndre Ayton. And and let's be honest, Ayton had completely disappeared in the series anyways. But, I mean, this is a guy, though, who, after his, obviously his first season in Phoenix was subpar, 34 and 39 records. Then, the bubble season, of course, takes place, and they had a 51-21 and 21 record. Uh, they ended up losing in the NBA Finals that year to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, then last year, they had the best record in the league at 64-18, and, and 18, and they ended up losing in the semifinals. This year, they had a 45-37 and 37 record. And they ended up losing in the semifinals as well. So they had two Pacific Division titles under Monty Williams. And they played in a total of 46 games in the playoffs with a 27-19 and record. Respectable. So it's respectable. You know, I, I, I... can't really say that this is all on, on Monty, though. I mean, no. he just won Coach of the Year last year. It almost sounds like a joke. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, you know, it's astounding uh, to uh, me. Sorry, Monty. Uh, we think you suck. So, uh, you know, and you, and you bombed out at home in the last game. You're out of here. Get out of here. No, that, that, obviously there's conspiracy involved in this. Yeah, it, it just. It, I guess. I guess the you know the team is basically they're putting all their failures on him. Even though, I mean, the team did all they could. They brought. They gave up a whole bunch to bring in Kevin Durant, and mm-hmm. you know, they had put all their chips in, essentially. Mm-hmm. And now look at what happened. But you wow. know what? This opens up an interesting possibility. Uh, now, I, I assume that Monty Williams is going to get another job elsewhere. Oh, I assume absolutely. he's going to get another job elsewhere. Uh, however, there is an open coaching spot. If if Monty Williams can't get another head coaching job next year, I'm wondering – if the Boston Celtics, I'm wondering if the Boston Celtics might might call him to be the associate head coach. Uh, so basically, yeah. he would be second in command. He would be second in command yeah. to Joe Mazzula. Joe Mazzula. I'm wondering if maybe they bring him in for like a year, and you know, ultimate ultimately. Obviously, you know, once another once another position opens up, 
you know, they could put, he could potentially jump ship then. But who knows? You know, there's rumors that the Philadelphia 76ers, they may move on from Doc Rivers if uh, Philly blows game seven tomorrow. Uh-huh. So, yeah, game seven. I guess well. there's a possibility. You know, I, I guess it's a possibility. Maybe he might be the next 76ers coach, potentially. Uh, there's, yeah. uh, But, you know, I, I honestly, it's just like Nick Nurse. I wouldn't expect Monty Williams to be on the open market for long. Right. You know, it's it's kind of mind-boggling right now. Yeah, it's very boring. Hmm. Nope, I haven't got so, any news on that. Well, it just—it literally just came over the uh, wire, actually. I know, but ESPN will usually get it right away. I guess my—I guess my son's well, delayed. Yeah, my—I I literally just got the notification on my phone actually while we were talking about it. Uh, but uh, I had okay. seen the—I had seen the the initial tweet from uh, Shamsa Sharania of the Athletic, though, and. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, new o- this is a direct decision from new owner Matt Ishbia. Is th- that's basically, you know what? I just thought of something. Milwaukee could pick him yeah. up. Toronto could pick him up. Well, Toronto, I think I would be a mind. Who would Toronto? Uh, who do you think Toronto uh, is targeting? I, well, because I heard I heard something. It was yesterday or today. Let me see here if I still have it. Because um, they are because they are looking for somebody to replace Nick Nurse. Yeah, and I know I know that one of their initial uh, options was Ime Udoka before Udoka ended up going to uh, Houston. Right. And, you know, speaking of that, uh, Stephen Silas, that's another candidate potentially for an associate yeah. uh, coach spot with the Celtics because he actually has uh, – he has taken part in uh, watching Celtics practice over yeah. the last week. So that is an option potentially for, for Boston. If they're looking to add a member to Joe Mazzulla's staff, Stephen Silas would be one of those options. Uh-huh. I guess I kind of understand, you know, a new owner probably wants his own, yeah. he wants his own staff in there. Uh, however, though, I don't think it was the right decision, though, to fire Monty Williams. You know, it's, there's a reason why, the, there's a reason why this team has been so good ever since they brought in the guy. Right. And, wow, uh, apparently I just saw this correctly. Dallas just tried to take out Seattle goaltender Philip Grubauer. Oh, uh, boy. They tried targeting his leg. Yeah. From what, oh, actually, no, never mind. That was incidental contact. Huh. Yeah, that's incidental contact from uh, one of uh, one of the Seattle players knocked over a Dallas player and – Incidentally, oh, the Dallas really? player made contact with uh, with Grubauer's leg. Oh, 
it's going stupid. But you know, you know what? We'll get back to to basketball in a little bit here. Uh, I do want to round out the uh, playoff picture here right now with the Maple Leafs dropping to the Florida Panthers in five games. Was this just, was this entire regular season just playing possum by Florida Looks to where they just it. barely make it in? Sounds like the Minnesota Wild of, of uh, 1992. I mean, it's it's like did they deliberately so that they could did they did they deliberately tank so that they could get so that they could be basically the ultimate underdogs throughout the entire playoffs. Yeah. yeah. It's like they said, Steve, like the Minnesota like the uh Minnesota North Stars of ninety two. Right. Because I mean you have you have the Boston Bruins who broke every single record that uh that you can think of this year yeah, for hockey. Yep. And Florida ends up beating them in uh what was it in, in was it yeah, in seven games. Yes. Then they get they get the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs. I, I'll tell you right now. Uh, Toronto's problem, I feel, was their goaltending. Yes. Even though even though most of the scores were pretty low, you know, four to two, three to two, two to one. Uh, the problem is is that you know they just can't. They it's it's almost the same thing that happened with Boston. They couldn't get the puck out of their own yeah. out of their own zone. And ultimately that's what happened here. I would expect that Kyle Dubas would probably be fired as uh Maple Leafs general manager. But who knows? Maybe because he got them into the second round, maybe not. And that just puts a stamp on it here. The Seattle Kraken, they will force game seven with an open net goal here. Six to three, oh, 58 seconds left. Uh, the second of the game for Jordan Everly. So uh, this series will be going to seven games with game seven being in Dallas. That sounds amazing. You know, what's weird though, Lou, is that it almost seems like Sergei Bobrovsky has completely turned back the clock and yeah he's become the Sergei Bobrovsky of old you know the 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 Bobrovsky who was light on his feet who could make random saves out of nowhere yeah this is this is the type of uh he's basically back to being the elite goaltender that he once was for Columbus. Yeah. And also partially Philly. I mean, it's 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 astounding to me. It's he's on probably his best playoff run that he's had in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Ever since taking over for Alex Lyon in the series against the Boston Bruins. I mean, let's let's just put it out there right now. Is this is this uh, the season of the Florida Panthers? It looks that way. I mean, you know, let's see this remarkable postseason run they went on. Yeah, and of course, 
know, well, let's see what they can do from uh, the 95, um, I mean, the 96 um, disaster when they uh, got swept by the Avalanche. So, um, you know, this is a remarkable run, even if they don't uh, get past this next round. But um, this is this has been, you know, the story, uh, Cinderella postseason for them. I mean, it almost seemed to happen. If they didn't score that tying goal in game seven against the Bruins, they might not even be here. Exactly. You know, uh, and maybe perhaps, who knows, if the Boston Bruins had advanced, maybe Toronto could have potentially beat Boston and advanced to the conference finals for the first time in what seems like forever. And by the way, the, uh, as far as the odds go, right now the Carolina Hurricanes are the odds-on favorites to win the Stanley Cup at plus 220. The Florida Panthers, uh, this, is, this is according to Caesars uh, Sportsbook, the Florida Panthers yeah. are plus 350. And amazingly, the Seattle Kraken are plus 3,000. Well, to hoist the cup this year. Three long odds. I mean, if anybody if anybody put any money on Seattle today to win the Stanley Cup, they're gonna win a boatload of money if that comes yeah. true. But ultimately, I mean, right now, as it looks. For the Eastern Conference, we know what we we know what we're what we're looking at here. We're looking at a undermanned Carolina Hurricanes against the Cinderella team, the Florida Panthers. In your opinion, Lou, who do you think has the edge here? Uh, no, I gotta go. I gotta go with the favorite, uh, Carolina. I, I I don't think I, I think they're just too strong. Um, you know, to lose this, to lose this series against the Panthers. Panthers are giving a good run, but you gotta watch that offense of Carolina. They're they're just, they're just too much. I don't I don't see a miracle here with with Florida. You know, I I agree with that. I actually, and you know, I'm not I'm not. Uh, maybe this may appear like sour grapes from me, but. I'm looking at this Carolina Hurricanes team, and I'm thinking, how the hell are they getting the amount of production that they've been getting? I mean, they handled New Jersey with ease. Mm -hmm. And New Jersey was among the top teams, uh, betting-wise, to hoist the Stanley Cup this year. Yes. And yet, here you have Carolina – the first two games, 11 goals combined for the yeah. first two games for Carolina. They had four goals in game three, which they lost eight to four. Game four, they had another six goals. Game five, they had three goals. I mean, it's it, they almost seem unstoppable, no matter how many players that they lose. Honestly, Lou, it's kind of frightening. Yeah, it is. You know, for I mean, you look at a team like uh, like Edmonton. Yeah, they have t- they have two players in McDavid and Drysital who can basically light up the scoreboard any given night. I'm almost more frightened of Carolina. You better be, because uh, they're, they're gonna do some damage. 
Because not only do they have the goaltending, but they have the most important thing, depth. Yeah. Depth is what you need. And, you know, I I criticized them at the deadline. I criticized yeah. them for not going out and getting extra pieces. All they got was Jesse Poyu Harvey from the Edmonton Oilers, and I didn't think that was enough. I thought they needed to get at least one more piece. And lo and behold, so far, you know, they have just, they've been breezing through. I mean, New Jersey was supposed to be a tougher matchup than than the Islanders. And the Islanders made it, made it a tougher series on them than the Devils did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I agree with you, Lou. I, uh, No matter how much of a Cinderella season this has been so far for Florida, eventually, you know, Bobrovsky, he's going to get hit with with so many shots that at some point everything's going to topple. Everything's going to fall apart. Yeah. And Carolina just has that type of attack on offense that you kind of have to wonder if if Carolina is going to be their kryptonite. Yeah. Now, with Seattle bringing Dallas to game seven, which is set for Monday night at 8 p.m., do you think do you think Seattle can complete the uh the comeback here or are we looking are we at a or are, are we looking at a uh, at a Dallas uh You got Seattle? I think you can go either way. Uh I have yeah, I think it could pull it off. But uh you know I'm going to go to Seattle because I, th- I think I can see, you know, the two uh, most recent teams that are going at each other in the finals. Dallas will give a good fight, but I think Seattle might have the upper edge here. Yeah, and you know what? I kind of have to agree with you on that because Dallas, I don't, you know, I don't know what it is. It just kind of seems like maybe perhaps this, this these last two games, these last three games actually, uh, you know, yes. Dallas in game in games four and five they combined to outscore Seattle eleven to five, and then Seattle came back and scored six tonight, uh, while Dallas only scored three. You know, I'm kind of wondering if maybe perhaps you know there is such a thing as out as out uh, you know shooting out your team. Sure. And I'm kind of wondering if we may have seen that potentially from Dallas. Mm. I think we have that maybe perhaps you know maybe perhaps you scored I mean it's you know the the number one thing you have to do is score 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 there is such a thing as you know you score too much and all of a sudden there's like scorers fatigue almost yes And, and I'm wondering if that's what they're going through right now Because, I mean, Dallas definitely has the, you know, they have the young talent and they have a good mixture of young players and veteran players that, 
you know, there should be they they should have all the fuel that they need in order to, you know, progress through into the conference finals. But Seattle, I mean, they're for for a second year expansion team, they are looking an awful lot like the Vegas Golden Knights from Vegas's first year. Yeah. So okay, found it. Okay, what is it? About well, what you mentioned about Money Williams, it just came up on the site now. Now I know what they're talking. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the Toronto, uh, the Toronto thing that you were looking no, no. for the uh, for for who Toronto was interested in. No, I was I was, I was trying to look up the um, Williams uh, Williams story. Now it's up on the site. Well, it took you long enough. Oh, okay. And now we have, of course, we have Vegas against Edmonton. Vegas currently leads uh, three games to two. They can close it out tomorrow night at 10 in Edmonton. Oh, man, what a, what a sight that would be to close it out in Edmonton. Uh, Vegas just coming off of a 4-3 to three victory uh, last night. And... I mean, you know, it's it just seems, Lou, like for a team that's led by two dynamic scorers, such as Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, that Edmonton shouldn't be having this hard of a time against a team like Vegas. So, you know, it kind of makes you wonder that, you know, just maybe perhaps uh, Edmonton might need to undergo quite a bit of a uh, quite a bit of a roster rebuild. Yeah. If they end up losing this series, because I think, let me double check. I don't think they have been to the conference finals so far with Connor McDavid ever since they drafted him. No, no. So, when you consider the fact that they have quite a bit of money, uh, obviously, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, he's going to be up for a contract extension, I believe, after next year. So, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to pay both McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I mean, let's be honest. Some of the team or some of the players they have around them, kind of thinking that you know they're going to need to rebuild this roster because it just kind of yeah. seems like they have McDavid, they have Drysaddle, and they have Nugent Hopkins, and then after, or no, they have Hyman, and then after Hyman, the roster just drastically drops. And actually, you know, I'm wrong. They did make the conference finals uh, last year, but they got swept by the eventual Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. So they did make the conference finals last year. And, you know, I got to tell you, if Edmonton loses this year, I 
I find it hard to think that there isn't going to be a complete reshuffling of that roster. Oh, I think it would be. Because, I mean, they got, you know, they had fans in an uproar when they barely, when they barely made any moves to address their, uh, their issues at the deadline. So with that, you know, with that being said, I mean, honestly, Bruce Cassidy has done a great job with Vegas this year. Uh, You know, a a lot of people were wondering what, you know, is Cassidy that good of a coach or was it, you know, were the bot was the Boston talent, the reason why Boston was so good. And I think we've, I think we've, uh, we've been shown here with him, coming over to Vegas and bringing Vegas back into the playoffs. It was, you know, Cassidy has a, has a big part in the success of his teams. And maybe perhaps now he has everything put in place. Cause I, you know, I, I remember Cassidy's time with the Boston Bruins and I remember in particular when he was the head coach of the Providence Bruins. And the number one thing he was good at doing, he was good at getting his young players to excel. Now, that may not have happened with Boston, because I know he had problems with uh, Jake DeBrusque. For some reason, Jake DeBrusque uh, spent almost the entire season in his doghouse. Uh, but it, it seems like whatever whatever he's been doing with Vegas – has worked out so far this season. So what do you think, Lou? Do you think Edmonton gets it all together, or do you think uh, we're looking at a conference final showdown between two expansion teams? Bring on Vegas and bring on Seattle. You know, I – I want to say I agree with you, but uh, I just got that. I just got that feeling that we're we're gonna see probably an explosion from both from either McDavid or Drysital in these final two games. Hmm. I would be very surprised if uh, if if McDavid and Drysital get bounced before the uh, conference finals. Uh-huh. Now, now, speaking of uh, potential favorites, let's go over to the NBA as we have, well, first off, we have a game seven uh, set to take place tomorrow afternoon between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. And a little note as well, Doc Rivers has never won a Game 7 on the road. Nope. In his entire coaching career. So his, you know, his uh, his job may potentially hang in the balance here. And let's bring in Alex. Uh, Alex is joining us here for the second hour. How are you doing tonight, Alex? What's up, guys? Uh, traveling so i can i can pop in for a couple minutes but yeah i wanted to say what's up good topic man missoula versus uh doc rivers but 
clash of the coaching titans tomorrow. We'll see who can uh, we'll see who cannot mess up uh, more than the other. I don't know. I think Doc. I don't know. I think uh, the Celtics are going to get it done. For you know, they're going to overcome uh, maybe their coaching deficiencies to get it done. I think they. I think they're going to get it done. That's that's my take on tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, isn't it weird that it seems like it, it basically seems like Joe Mazzula has been completely brain dead this entire uh, this entire series. Asleep like, at the wheel, yeah. Boston, Boston had two different chances in two different games to to have the ball remaining uh, down by one with with uh, you know they would get the final possession. And all you have to do, any any good basketball coach knows, you call a timeout, you set up a play, and you <laughs> you at least give your team the chance. Exactly. Joe Mazzula, Joe Mazzula basically just stood there and <laughs> just let them, you know, let them uh, play it out like. Uh, one of the Celtics, yeah. I forget who it was. I think it was, I think it was Marcus Smart. Smart was was yeah. standing there like, "You're not yeah. going to call timeout." <laughs> and, and Smart's been in the Smart Smart's been talking the last couple of days about it. Like, uh, I still I still defend him. Uh, he's still learning every day. He's like trying to coddle him. Like, uh, you know, he won a contest and he's like amateur hour. Like, he's not that bad. We can still win even though we have Mazzola as our coach. You know, it's really. Yeah, I don't know. He's like hit a total wall in the playoffs. He, they looked great all year, and now it's, I guess he's just being exposed. I mean, he's just not not coaching well the last couple of weeks. Really, they're they're winning. They're trying to win despite of him instead of uh, with him. Yeah. And you know, this is why I said earlier on your show, Lou. I said I said that I had Philadelphia winning Game Seven, and the reason wow. being. You're not, the reason being, you're not going to have James Harden go 0 for 6 again from 3. You're not going to have DeAnthony Melton go scoreless off of the bench again. You're not wow. going to have Tobias Harris score only 2 points again. Well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. You might have that happen again, <laughs> uh, knowing Harris. Uh, but the number one thing you can guarantee is that Joe Mazzula is going to be standing there with a blank expression on his face. Yeah. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you if the Celtics do lose, he's going to take offense to whatever question is thrown at him by the media, like he did earlier in this series when they lost in, yeah. uh, in overtime. Yeah. It's been shocking to say the least. Again, he looked awesome. Remember on both your guys, uh, really good shows each week. We've been saying, you know, he was in the running for, for coach of the year, right? I thought he was – what an incredible story. Everyone in Boston, and Steve, you're a great fan of Boston. Like, I, everyone was impressed all year, and now it's just – he's totally just lost it. I don't know. He's like a deer in headlights suddenly. I, I'm pretty astounded by his just terrible performance in the, in the, in the playoffs. It's just really strange. Yeah. You know, Lou, what are your, what are your thoughts on this series so far? Because, uh, you know, Boston – it just, yeah. it just obviously, you know, uh, there were a lot of people who thought that Philly had no chance whatsoever heading into this matchup. Uh, yeah, Boston was... blew game one. No, I thought they blew no, game I thought one with no Joel Embiid. 
You thought it was going seven either way? Oh, with these with these two A each other, they, they know each other. They, you know, they barely you know like breathe on each other. This was not going to be an easy series for either team, even despite the fact that you know in the hand and whatnot. It's just that kind of a series. So, am I surprised by this? It's going seven, not the least. Uh huh. I mean, my big, you know, my biggest pet peeve of this series is they couldn't even win game one when Joel Embiid, you know, Joel Embiid was out and everybody was saying, oh, the Celtics are going to, you know, the the Celtics are going to, are going to get, uh, are going to win game one because no Joel Embiid, there's no way that Philly, yeah, that Philly takes game one. Anyway. I mean, we weren't going to pull him out. So I knew that once Embiid was coming back, I knew there was going to be a series. So forget the fact that he was not playing game one because that didn't mean much. I knew when he was gonna come back. We're gonna have a series, and we have. Well, yeah, you know, you know, it's it's amazing. Ever since uh, once he was named MVP, all of a sudden his his uh, his injury was amazingly healed. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like win, it's like winning the MVP has special healing powers. Hey, it's bionic now. Never never coaching. heard it all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just – I'm surprised, first off, that this even reached seven. And, you know, considering uh, – here's the big thing with Boston. Jason Tatum has gotten off to a horrible start each of the last two games. Yes. Yep. I mean, he entered uh, – he only had, I think, like one point, literally one point on a free throw uh, heading into the second half of game uh, – of last game, of game six. Boston, especially when you know that Philly, they're not going to have a horrible night shooting again like they did in game six. If Boston doesn't get off to a strong start, I think, I think honestly, you know, coming from a Celtics fan, I think we're looking at a Philadelphia uh, advancement to the conference finals. Yeah. Well, and Steve, again, with, uh, without, you know, without bias, just at, that's like crushing again. I mean, they were favored, and then the, obviously the Bruins were heavily favored. And again, you keep it real. You you say what's on your mind. You don't play favorites. Yeah, you're 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 forecasting another game seven Boston loss. And no one, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed it. I don't think a lot of people would have on either hockey or basketball. And I mean, you know, this this may just be sounding pessimistic on my part, you know, coming from a Celtics fan, but I've seen the I, I've watched every single Celtics game this season. I know how they play, yeah. and I, I'll, I'll tell you this much: if they put out, like, for example, say they get out to a twenty-point lead, twenty points, it's even if you're even if even if you're in the fourth quarter, a twenty-point lead is is nothing. When it comes to Boston, yeah, Boston, you're right. Boston can relinquish twenty point leads like it's nothing. Yeah, uh, you because know, defensively they have defensively they have Horford and, and Time Lord, and then in the backcourt you have Marcus Smart. They have really good defenders. I don't understand how they can just defensively melt down like they've been doing. It's really egregious. They have the defenders. There's well, no you know, excuse. I. Yeah, I think the big thing with Game Six was bringing. Rob Williams back into the starting lineup. I think that may be what jolted 
uh, a little bit of momentum for Boston in order for them to win game six was Mm -hmm. injecting Rob Williams back into the starting lineup. The, The starting five from the NBA Finals last year. And honestly, you know, I, I I really don't understand why they put Grant Williams into this. Well, actually, no, they didn't put Grant Williams. They had put uh, they had put Derek White into the starting lineup for most of the season, which I can kind of understand that. But honestly, if I was Missoula, I mean, I know I know they want to worry. You know, they want to manage uh, Rob Williams' knee, considering he had just some surgery, but. If if Williams is a hundred if Time Lord is a hundred percent to go, I'm putting Time Lord out there in the starting lineup. I'm putting I'm putting out Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Rob Williams as my starting five. Yeah, I always say you know, especially against the physical team with, I mean, Jokic, Jokic, uh, the Joker's awesome out in Denver, but I mean, you're playing against Embiid, Philly's a physical team. I always say you know, bring some defenders out there. You can always bring scoring off the bench, right? So, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. I'd start Horford and Time Lord, and then you got two guys who can kind of bang and mix it up and, and you know, really make Embiid work. If they have that smaller lineup, they can just get exposed defensively. So, I'm, I'm, I agree with you, man. Start Time Lord along with uh, Horford, you know, kind of the, the double action down yeah. low. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that they bring, that they that they started Time Lord for Game Six, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Philly was Philly was having problems getting shots off. I don't think it's a coincidence. Definitely, Definitely not. No, he brings that defensive so intensity. I'm, and a Game Seven too. Game Seven. Think about it. Like it's probably going to be low scoring. Every bucket's going to be a battle. So, yeah, I would definitely – I'd be shocked. Who knows with Missoula. But, I mean, I'd have to think they're going to start Time Lord again tomorrow. They ha- I think they have to. Right. And by the way, Monty Williams, 194 and 115. That was his record yep. through four seasons with Phoenix. And let's get your – because I already got thoughts from Lou about this earlier. Uh, Alex, because this, this literally just came uh, – you know, this came through wow. as we were talking earlier. What are your thoughts on the Phoenix Suns uh, pulling a Milwaukee Bucks and blaming their season ending on Monty Williams? I didn't even know about that. I was finally leaving Florida. I thought I was a, I thought I was going to be a lifelong resident, but I finally I didn't even know the news. I, that's that's shocking. He's just like Coach Bud. I think that he's a top yeah, yeah. top five coach, top top handful of coaches in the world. They'll both get a job quickly. He was I mean, coach of ridiculous. the year last year. He was yeah. coach of the year last year. Come on. And Monty Williams didn't only overcome tragedy. I mean, he lost most of his family in that horrific car accident a few years ago. Players love him. Mm-hmm. And excuse me, but uh, they went to the, what, to the, um, where did they go last year? Final four again, right? Yes. I mean, they've gone uh, close to winning it all. I think so. And last year, what, Chris Paul got injured? Ditto this year. Yes. Like terrible, some of his players, and then uh, Aiton acted like a total. Uh, sorry, that's not the coach. That's not the coach's fault. So again, he took the bullet. One other people uh, caused the whole disaster. He took the fall, just like Coach Bud. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, actually, actually, no, he lost in the. They lost in the semifinals last year. Okay. 
But, I mean, yeah, same kind same of situation. Both, both awesome coaches. So, yeah, the, some of the foolish amateur fans, maybe some uh, people on the board, some, you know, some people that are higher-ups, oh, we got to change the coach. Maybe some of the players, maybe Durant. Yeah, Lord knows. He knows how to, you know, kick things up and, and bitch and moan and get people fired. Maybe Durant said something. <laughs> Who knows yeah. that guy? So maybe it was well, no, you know, maybe the, the, the chemistry killer Durant might have struck again. You know, when I think about it, though, uh, their new owner is Matt Ishbia. And yeah. I'm kind of wondering if maybe maybe Ishbia feels like he wants to have his own staff uh, sure. out there. You maybe know, he did that. Because technically, Monty really... Williams was. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, Steve, now, now I'm, you brought up a great point. Maybe as the new guy in town, the new owner, maybe he wants to quickly uh, get rid of Monty because he quickly wants to get Coach Bud before someone else does. Maybe Bud winds up in the desert. Or Nick Nurse. Yeah. Or or Nick Nurse, of course. Nick Nurse or is Nick awesome, Nurse. too. Those are, like, that's amazing. Three of the best, I think, in the league, and they're all available. Wow, that's amazing. I've heard rumors, I've never too. Seen... I've heard rumors, of too, what? that Tyron Liu might be uh, – Tyron Lue might be on the market soon from uh, the Clippers. He, I, I would say he's good, but uh, definitely a notch below the other three guys we mentioned. I mean, I don't know. Lue's almost like he's a, a champion, brother. though. I don't know. He's, yeah, he is. He's he a is. champion, he though. Was, he's always like LeBron's buddy. I don't know. It's kind of like a big brother. I don't know. I'd put him. He's a champion. I think he's good. But if I were uh, an owner or a GM, I'd be trying to get a uh, Bud Nurse. Or uh, Monty Williams. Those are three excellent coaches. Yeah, they all they all took the fall. Toronto was in shambles all year with injuries, and you know they, like we talked about on your shows, you know, they had a weird roster all year. And then again, not Nick Nurse's fault. Bud, uh, Giannis got hurt. They had a bunch of different things going on, not his fault. And we saw it happen with Monty Williams. I mean, the Suns fell apart again, not his fault. Yeah. So yeah, they're all yeah. fall guys. And by the way, it sounds like uh, it sounds like NBA great Isaiah Thomas uh, has been working alongside Ishbia as a consultant. So uh, it sounds like this may have come from him as well. Yeah, with, that's what he did with the Knicks. I don't know if Isaiah is a kiss of death or a ray of sunshine, or I don't know if he's going to help or hurt the Suns. But good luck in the desert, Zeke, Zeke Thomas. He's had an erratic. Uh, career off the court when it comes to his decision. It's kind of like a Michael Jordan style. It was was incredible playing, but kind of questionable uh, in the front office. Right. Uh, you, you know what? Uh, this brings up another, another thing, too. You want to talk about great teams. Let's move over to Golden State in L.A. Yeah. Golden State, have we seen the last of the Golden State dynasty? There's questions that are coming up. Uh, Clay Thompson, apparently the team wants him to take a pay cut next year uh, in order to stick around. Draymond Green is expecting to be given uh, a big, gigantic bag from ownership, even though he averages a quadruple single every single game. (laughs) Uh, You know, they just gave all this big money to Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. You know, I mean, there's there's a shit ton of money 
that is yeah. being spread around for their top five, uh, for their for their starting five, and it kind of sounds like a shakeup might be in order potentially for the Golden State yeah. Warriors. Because uh, they they did claim that this year's team wasn't a championship caliber team, which is odd considering most of the te- most of the players from last year's championship team came back this year. Well, I mean, Clay was awful. Let's be honest. Class act been through some awful injuries. I think even people that don't like Golden State, it's tough not to root for Clay Thompson, but. What was he three for eighteen or something? He couldn't hit anything. So yeah, I mean, he's not the same clay he used to be. That he has to take a pay cut if they want to. They had they need to add some size. Wiggins was weird all year with all this stuff going on off the court, and then Poole was a disaster. Her would hardly play him in the clutch. So, and they just gave him all the money. So yeah, a lot of different things. I, I'd be, I'd be surprised if Golden State makes it back this far next year. I mean, the Wiggins, I, I, by the way, he did play. He, he did play with a cracked get wrist better. too. Oh, what's that? Who? Wiggins. He played with a cracked oh, wrist. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he was he was off the series. I don't know. They just it was like Steph Curry versus everyone. I mean, they were getting shell shocked last night. I don't know how they suddenly bounce back and add a lot of people. They blew two draft picks mm-hmm. from Kaminga and Wiseman. So, yeah. Clay Thompson's not going to get any better next year. I don't know how they're suddenly going to get better next year. They, they might regress. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like their veterans aren't ready to let championship aspirations go. It sounds like uh, Green, Thompson, and Curry all want to stay together, but that may not be up to them. That may be up to uh, up to management. And I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, as great as Golden State has been, you know, Curry's going to be reaching, what, 36 next year, if he isn't already? Yeah. Uh, Thompson's going to be 34. Green's going to be 34. I mean, it's not like it's not like these guys are young bucks anymore. You know, they're oh. they're getting up there. Now I'll say this though, uh, when it, obviously you know if I'm going to keep anybody, I'm going to keep Curry and Thompson. I don't, you know, yeah. I understand Thompson had issues this year uh, when it comes to production, but he's still more reliable than Green. When when you have Draymond Green fighting with one of your top young stars in Jordan Poole, I know Jordan Poole has an attitude problem. So does Draymond, but Poole has put up the stats. What the fuck has Draymond done his entire Not career? What has he done? He's a troublemaker. Yeah, he's living up a couple of rings, and he's not getting any better. But, I mean, but, but then Poole's like the young leg, and he, he was just dreadful in the series. Yeah, they got a very confusing – he had a bunch of different question marks going on in Golden State now. I don't see how they bring it. They can bring the big. I think they'll bring all three back, but I just don't see how they're suddenly going to, you know, recapture the fountain of youth. They're all getting older. How are they going to be better next year? Don't worry, all. Yeah, now, exactly. I will That's say. True, this. I will say this. <laughs> That's true. I, 
I will say this, though. I don't think Golden State is going away. I think Golden State will still be a a legitimate threat. I still think they'll be a legitimate threat. Uh, I would honestly, you know, I – as long as Curry is healthy and as long as Clay Thompson is healthy, I mean, let's let's keep in mind Clay Thompson, despite his struggles this year, he averaged twenty one points in the season. Yeah, twenty one, twenty two points per game. He should be a lifelong warrior. Everyone out there loves him. He's won the, you know, he's part of that dynasty. So they want, they're going to want to bring him back. He wants to stay. So I think it'll yeah. happen. He's just got to take a little bit of a pay cut. I'm sorry, Clay. You know, you have like, you know probably a couple hundred million in the bank. I think you can you can take a little bit of a pay cut. I don't think it's going to kill you. So hopefully the big he, question is honestly, he does he seems like a class act. I think he'll take a pay cut. I mean, what is he going to only going to make what? 10 million instead of 20 million? I mean, I think I think he'll yeah, he'll live. Qu- the thing is though, is he willing to take that pay cut? Because I think he is. You He's could, like a humble guy. You could argue you you could argue this will be his last big contract. That made yeah. so much money, though, Steve. I know. It's, you always want to – you can never get enough, even at that no. level. But I mean, he's already so secure. You know what I mean? It's not like he's going to go down to forty grand or something. He's not going to make a, a – God yeah. love teachers. But suddenly make a teacher salary. I love teachers. He's no. still going to be – he still has tens of millions of dollars on top of millions. Maybe they ask him to cut, you know, 40% of his salary so that way they can sign another – guy down play defense or something i don't know they were just getting smoked this series they're not big enough and now they're like not really fast enough either they got to add a couple pieces well so if it, it didn't if help either it again, didn't help either that K- it didn't help either that Kayvon Looney was was on the bench most of the series that's true too that's true too but i mean if clay the truth hurts sometimes and again he's still going to be paid for it life does. If I were management, I'd tell them, look, Clay, we love you. We, in order to really bring everyone back and get better, we need you to take a slight a, a pay cut. I mean, I think Clay would do it. I think he would. He seems yeah. like the type yeah, of personality where he would do it. He's a, he's a, he seems like a real class act. So I would I would think he would he would do that. What are your thoughts, okay. Lou? Uh what are your thought? What are your thoughts on this, Lou? Do you think uh, the Golden State dynasty is over, or yeah. do you think that they're I still going to be a legitimate uh, NBA Finals threat? Not in the near future, no. Uh, you know, after what happened with uh, this series, I think we've seen the last of the dynasty. Uh, I mean, the players are getting older. You know, uh, Thompson, Curry. You know, I think we've seen the glory days of this uh, particular era of the war of the Warriors over. So, uh, you know, I don't expect them back in the finals for quite a while. Lou, would you bring the big three back, or would you just blow it up? Maybe just keep Curry and then like, like blow really, it like, up. play and screen, blow it up. Blow it up. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're kind of stuck. Yeah, I mean, they're not good enough to win at all. You know, then they're going to be a year older. They're going to be a year older. Yeah. And by by the way, uh, I'm looking at Kaminga's stat line from this year. He had uh, he did improve all around. Uh, Average 9.9 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 
He also improved a little bit in steals and blocks per game. Uh, field goal percentage, he improved uh, by slightly, like uh, he had a 52.5 field goal percentage, and he shot 37% yeah. per- from three this year. And this was averaging four more minutes per game than he did last year. So, and he's still really young, and he's considered like a really raw, like, you know, high-flyer athlete. He's, he didn't come in as like a polished, you know, three- or four-year college yeah. guy. He came in like as a 19-year-old. So maybe he grows, you know, more mentally and physically over the, over the offseason. Maybe, maybe then they, they'd have a shot. Like he's got to be a big part of their future or else it's another bust. I mean, yeah, I mean some let's, other keep, let's keep in mind he's only 20. Yeah. And that's crazy. I thought he was like 22. Yeah, I mean, he's still really young. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he has a big offseason, re- maybe that. I would I would probably start Kaminga and Green, Green down low with Wiggins, Curry, and uh, Thompson. I don't know. If they have a shot to, to what's do weird big is, next though, year, Kaminga's got to step up. You know, what's weird is, though, is that once the playoffs hit, he only saw 6.1 minutes per game in the playoffs this year. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. That's not I, a good uh... – I mean, even – I mean, that's a massive drop from 20 minutes per game during the regular season to only six. Very massive, yes. Yeah, and look at Poole. Poole is uh, glued to the bench, too. It's not, not a good look. Not a good sign for the future with these younger guys. No. So, you know – they will probably bring it all back because the owner, the you know, the fans, they want one last run. But I think this this might have been the final run they just had. But I think they'll probably bring all three back, wishfully thinking. Yeah, all things was, all things was come to an end. Yeah, uh, you know, I will I will say this though. I think Clay Thompson he probably will take a pay cut because let's keep in mind he's going to be making like forty million dollars next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I'm, he might, no, able, he, might to, he might be able to. He might be able to. keep the, the the cable bill going with uh, only like twenty five million. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is what I'm getting to though. In terms of a pay cut, like I could see him playing for maybe twenty five million per season. Yeah. On this new deal, you know, I, I, we're not we're, when we're talking pay cuts. We're not talking pay cuts like low, like. Uh, like where he'll be making fifteen million a season, uh, yeah, he will take a pay cut. But if if he does take a pay cut, he'll take a pay cut. But it won't be like, you know, he, he you won't see him making like forty two million a season on this yeah, final right. deal of his. And he's a smart guy, and he's got his agency, probably his whole team of people he works with. You know, he's not a foolish guy. You see, it, you see it all the time in sports. We love you. You're getting a little older. If you do want to stay here, we want you here. You need to take a pay cut or else happy trails and go and get, you know, $50 million if you can on the market. But if you want to stay here, we're going to offer you $22 million or $24 million, $25 million. I mean, I I'll think he's the type of guy who, who would take the pay cut. Now, this also leads over to L.A. Because, first off, I'm, I'm just – I'm stunned – that L.A. was able to finish them off last night. I thought yeah. that Golden State fire. would be able to – I thought Golden State would be able to get to get through and get and force a game seven. Yeah. And it just seemed like – I don't know if they gave up at halftime, 
But it, it, it just seemed like L.A. completely took over. Well, Reeves looked like, you know, Pistol Pete or, you know, he looked, did like a Larry Bird impersonation. And then LeBron James and A.D. are acting like they're 19-year-old. 19, I mean, they're just – the Lakers are just out of – they're on fire. The whole team. Game was over pretty quickly. It was and I think the, the, the Warriors knew it. The Warriors knew it. They they couldn't even really make any runs. I mean, it just seems so odd. Looking at that, I, I mean, taking a look at some of the stats, I, it, it is kind of weird when you look at the starting lineup and you have Gary Payton the second in the starting lineup. Uh, <laughs> only four points out of Gary Payton. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, I mean, I can kind of understand he was playing with a cracked rib, only six points. Uh, he okay. also had, he also got in a foul trouble too, five personal fouls. Yeah. You know, Draymond doing his usual, uh, quadruple single. So that's not really a shock. <laughs> uh, no. Clay Thompson though, uncharacteristically, Clay Thompson, only eight points. Steph Curry had 32, but he was only four for 14 from three. And wow. DiVincenzo basically led the way on the bench with 16 points. Jordan Poole was a pedestrian seven points. Uh, this just seemed like, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it, honestly. It just It just seemed like a completely different Golden State team from what we're used to seeing. And then you look at L.A. L.A., you have uh, Anthony Davis putting up a double-double, 20 rebounds, 17 points, uh, after a game where it looked like he may have suffered a concussion in game five. And no one could stop him And then he ends up shooting up – he ends up suiting up for game six, like we saw. Yeah. LeBron put up his usual 30 points, like we expect. Austin Reeves completely exploded, 23 points. Uh, isn't he usually – yeah, isn't he usually on the uh, bench, though? I think he's been starting more and more, and they really – LeBron James loves him. I think he's been more – he's been starting most of the playoffs. And I think when they got hot, I guess huh. after the All-Star break, you know, when the NBA uh, gift-wrapped, you know, two or three really good role players for nothing and made sure they became dominant again at the deadline. No, and when they really caught fire the last month or two, Reeves has been playing more and more. I think he's been a starter for most of the last six weeks, I would say. And he's really been kicking ass. I mean, he's I, – I thought he was like a player. The guy's really a tremendous player recently. I mean, he was he was hitting trees everywhere last night. Yeah, I mean, you also take a look at some of the other some of the other notables as well. Uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell, nineteen points. He was he was another uh, acquisition, I think, from the deadline. Uh, <laughs> yep. Lonnie Walker, thirteen like, points. They yeah. traded like two interns and like some basketballs for D'Angelo Russell. That was a good trade for them. Yeah, he was another Louis random, like, four. with nine points. Yep, right. Hachimura. They got him for, like, uh, nothing. Yeah, they're revamped. They they did, like, a facelift on the fly, and now they're the hottest team in the league, I think. I, the Lakers could win it all. I, I, I'm, I feel sick even saying that, but it's true. 
Oh. I still like the Nuggets. Though, and it's, we'll odd, it's odd saying that, though, looking at a number seven seed. They barely got in. Yeah. It's 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 we so all said odd it. saying that. We all said it. Once they got in, they're as dangerous as anyone. Love it or hate it, it's true. Yeah. But I, you know, yeah. I'm just I'm just honestly very surprised at how they've been able to how they've been able to perform in uh, ever since ever since that uh, you know that trade deadline. You know what, Kelly? Uh, I mean, you know but, what? I think the biggest key was with with the, the the Lakers matchup though with Golden State was just size. So, but against Denver, Denver is Aaron Gordon and of course the Joker, the Giant down low. He can really he can slap uh, Anthony Davis around a little bit. Gordon will play against. Gordon's a great defender. He's six foot nine. He'll he'll match up with LeBron. I think defensively, Denver's much much better matchup against the Lakers. They're going to play him really tough. Golden State just couldn't. They weren't big enough. They got bullied. That's true. That's true. Denver Denver's, is Denver's big. Pretty, yeah, Denver's they big are and size, physical. Uh, Den- Denver Denver matches up really well. Gordon and Joker. That's true. Joker. So and then you got Jamal Murray. Yeah. I mean, I think Denver's just much better suited to match up against them. We'll see. Showtime is showtime, though. The Lakers might smoke them too. Yeah. I think Denver's definitely got a better shot than uh, Golden State. Well, we'll see. We'll see when it comes to that. Um, With the rest, we'll but looking at yeah, but you know, looking looking at the at that matchup. I mean, I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. I'm I'm looking at that matchup right now, and I'm I just I I know everybody is saying, oh, it's going to be Boston and. Uh, you know, everybody is predicting that it's gonna that it's gonna be Boston and uh, L.A. in the finals, and I'm uh, just looking at I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, how? Yeah, well, it's the commissioner's dream. It's the ratings ratings heaven, money galore for for the league. Celtics Lakers, right? Magic versus Bird. Yeah. Well, you're right again. I, I I don't know. I think Celtics somehow get it done, and I think Denver's I, unless they get totally jobbed by the refs, which in the NBA we all know that unfortunately that's always a possibility. <laughs> Unlike any other league, the refs can really play a big role. Um, that's true. It's going to be interesting. I think Denver's man for man probably better than LA, but if the LA's getting all the calls, Denver's going home again. And you know that's that's another thing that we that we had kind of said too. Uh, about the, we kind of joked about it, but um, about the L.A. Golden State series, it was basically going to be a series of who do the who does the league love more, who do the refs love more? <laughs> yeah. Is it uh, is it Golden State or is it L.A.? And turned exactly. out, apparently, it was L.A. Yeah. So, so yep. you know, it's I think it's going to be a very interesting series. Uh, Honestly, I would I would be surprised if LA makes it through. But then again, yeah, yeah we can't forget that <laughs> you know, this is a this is a Lakers team that has 
management on their that that has uh, league management on their side. So exactly, which can never be uh, taken for granted. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be big, and it's going to be so unfortunate if that happens. But we've seen that happen before. I mean, so many different. We times. have, yes. Even since Jordan's Bulls, I don't know. I've seen things where it's like, wow, that call, that call, that call, that guy fouled out. That that was really a technical. And the next, you know, or you know, Kobe, Kobe and Shaq are down, you know, twenty five in the early fourth, and they win, and they go to the line twenty twenty times in the fourth quarter. I mean, I love the NBA, but we've all seen it, man. Some sometimes these games are just so ridiculous with the referees. So it's always it's always a it, it could always be a factor. Hopefully Denver doesn't get screwed over and they let him play. Right. Yeah, with any luck, hopefully uh, hopefully they just let them play and let the best team win. Uh, yeah. Miami and New York. Uh, you know, we talked we talked earlier about about uh, you know the Carolina Hurricanes playing short-handed. Okay. You look at Miami. Excuse me. Uh, you look at Miami, and they've been playing almost this entire playoffs. Be right there. Excuse me. Sorry, allergies. Uh, you know, they've been playing this entire playoffs without Victor Oladipo, and also without uh, Tyler Harrow. Yeah, really impressive. <laughs> oh my God, I really I, yeah. That goes back to I think with coaching and Pat Riley. I mean, they just play defense. Bolster's awesome. Riley's awesome. They just hustle. Like whoever they plug in, they play well. Remember Duncan Robinson before Harrow and um, Oladipo got injured. Remember Duncan Robinson was not even really playing all year, and now he's hitting four or five threes every game. He's playing really well again. They uh, they just. They're a really good team overall. They always play hard. Yeah. I mean, Miami, like, whoever needs to come in, comes in and does does a good job. They just keep going. They keep winning. Yeah, it's – oh, my God. I, I got to tell you, man, these, you know, my allergies have been kicking my ass all day. Today. I'm in the same boat now. Uh, I'm two, 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 two Claritons a day. I think, like, three in Florida a day. Allergies are wicked. Matter of fact, <laughs> they are they are real. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm surprised honestly that I didn't even uh, I, you know, I'm surprised that they didn't even act up during Lou's show earlier today. Uh, you know, I didn't even sneeze one oh, yeah. bit during that show. But uh, you know, I'm just very surprised that Miami has been able to play without two of their dynamic bench players in Harrow and uh, Oladipo. And actually, you know, uh, Harrow, uh, I talk about bench, Harrow is actually uh, one of their starters. Yeah. But so, you, I mean, you, weren't, you weren't totally in I mean, he's been back and forth. But, yeah, most of this year, regular season, he was starting. But, yeah, you're dead, you're dead right. With, you're, you're dead on. Two of their most dynamic players. And now you got, hey, you know, you got like, actually, uh, Duncan Robinson and, like, Max Struess. You got guys that were kind of, like, on the bench all year. Now they're doing great. Plug them right in, and they perform. Yeah, and especially against a team like New York, who seemingly were, were you know, riding 
a wave of momentum after uh, after advancing to the semifinals. You know, everybody was expecting that we were probably going to see New York advance to the conference finals. I don't think anybody thought that you know we would have that we would have Miami uh not to mention being undermanned but now all of a sudden they've they've uh booked their ticket to the conference finals. I don't think anybody saw that coming whatsoever. No, it's and lo and tremendous. behold and lo and behold, you know, Jimmy that's... Butler has basically been the main guy to to will this team to win literally almost every single game. Yeah, he's proven that he really is. I know he talks a lot, but the guy is awesome. He's what uh, what Leonard should be consistently in, in Clipperland, but the guy brings it every time he plays. Um, stay right now. And then Bam, Bam, Honestly, Bam, uh, I mean, it's down, down below. Bam, Bam's awesome down low. They have a nice combo right there. And then the role players have been great, too. You still have Kyle Lowry. Gross. Um, people slam him a lot, but uh, um, the heck's his name? PJ, the, the power forward. He was on the Bucks. Now he's on the uh, – he's still playing with them? Sorry, I digress. Either way, no, the role players uh, are good in Miami. Yeah, no, he's with uh, he's with Philly. He's with Philly now. That's right. That's right. But I mean, either way, man, it's a team concept. It starts with Riley and uh, Coach Sprolstra. I mean, Miami's just a really good team. They just keep keep hitting shots and keep winning. But you know, it just seems very surprising when you consider the run that. Uh, New York had been on throughout not, you know, not just uh, entering the season, not, there weren't a lot of people that were expecting New York to be a serious contender. And all of a sudden they make the playoffs and people are, are thinking all of a sudden like, wow, can they, are they actually going to do this? And, you know, all of a sudden, the you know they faced the Miami Heat here, and you started to see some of their normal big contributors like Julius Randle start to completely fall off. Uh, I mean Jalen yeah. Brunson, you know, in a in a losing effort, Jalen Brunson had forty one points. He was basically carrying that team on his back. It seemed uh, he, he was amazing. That was that was an epic playoff performance, man. And he played the whole game on uh, Game Six. Probably the best, most dominant player in the playoffs so far, I think. Maybe. I mean, he was doing everything for the Knicks. You know, Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson looked like a complete beast against against Cleveland last round. But now, you know, he faces off against, uh, against the Miami Heat, and he, you know, he looked like he barely even belonged out there. Yeah, they kind of melted down. Everyone but Brunson kind of didn't didn't show up like they should have. Brunson couldn't do it alone. Yeah, it just seemed. I don't know. I mean, you know, you could even say R.J. Barrett too completely disappeared. 
Yeah, he's you know, been inconsistent. This Knicks team, team didn't look like the same Knicks team that was on that huge, uh, you know, on that huge streak. Yeah. It's a shame. That happens in playoffs. All the different sports, too. They just Maybe they got tired. Maybe they ran out of gas. Or maybe the Cleveland series was a bit of a mirage. But, yeah, they came crashing right back down to earth. And the heat disposed of them. Now you gotta you gotta wonder though, uh, you you would kind of have to assume even though the Knicks got eliminated, I know everybody's talking about oh uh, this is going to be you know the, uh, the what's his name's job is is going to be on the line. No way, I wouldn't. Say. Uh, you know everybody was saying that Tom Thibodeau's job was going to be on the line this season if. The Knicks didn't have a good season, but you know the Knicks ultimately they ended up ma- they ended up um, making the playoffs, and yeah, you got you got to think that he has at least bought himself quite a bit of time. Yeah, I definitely think so. They they finally bought in. He was on thin ice for a while in New York, and then they did have a really good. Uh, a really good year, you know, only one team can claim the ring. They kind of just ran out of gas. I think they just got tired. And and like you said, it's not not Thibodeau's fault if Randall wants to act, you know, like an idiot, you know, every other day, play hard, then not play, then sulk. I mean, come on. It's not Thibodeau's fault. They might move on from Randall. I don't think they're going to move on from uh, Coach Thibodeau. I would hope they don't move on from, from, from Thibodeau. I don't think it's his fault whatsoever. No, no, they, you know, he, I think he, he did a great job. They finally bought in. They had a really, they had a really good year because no one expected them to get that far, first of all. So, yeah, they lost right. the heat, but I think coaching wise, he did a really, really good job. Also, Josh By the Hart way, was uh, kind of injured the whole year, the whole series. Josh Hart was kind of banged up. And remember, he was, he was a crucial reason why they got really good. So, well, he yeah, was still producing. Pivot will be back. Josh Hart, even though he was injured, he was still producing at least. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. It's tough. Like, if you lose Randall, that's a big part of your scoring. But they can trade him, maybe get another guy, another big man that's not going to be, you know, a total head case and give you issues like Randall has, unfortunately. That's not the first time last year Randall was doing that, too. So we'll see what they do personal-wise. But I'd bring back Thibodeau, definitely. I would definitely, you know, he would be one of the, he would be the first, uh, the first thing I would do, you know, if I was in Nick's management, if I was a general manager, I'd immediately come out. I'd, I'd tell Thibodeau, look, ignore any of the noise that you may have heard uh, throughout the season. We're keeping you. There's, you know, there's no reason for us to want to get rid of you. Uh, you brought us. You 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 uh, allowed us to take a step forward this season. You know, it's like why would you get rid of somebody that is taking steps forward? Yeah, exactly. I think you nailed it right there. No reason, Jeff. He's not broke. He's not the reason. So don't fix it if it's not broken. Right. 
Uh, by the way, by the way, uh, Lou, I don't know if you because uh, because Lou did did uh, get knocked off. I don't know if he uh, if he hung up or whatnot, or if he's called back in. Um, I am having a problem with my internet right now, so I cannot see the switchboard. So if you are on here, Lou, just uh, give me a few minutes. Let me try and get my internet back up so that I can get you back on here. Um, because, I, might, I might have to jump in a little bit too, Steve. I'm waiting on my ride out of the uh, airport. I'm still hanging out here doing nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? While we have you on, though, I want to get your thoughts yeah. on the draft lottery with the also known as the Connor Bedard sweepstakes uh, oh, yeah. with the with the Chicago Blackhawks winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes especially after them losing uh, Jonathan Tays. They're going to lose Jonathan Tays. And now they're going to add on a player. uh, You know, they're going to add on a player uh, like Connor Bedard, who many have have compared him to Connor McDavid. That's awesome. They hit the jackpot right there. It sounds like a, he's a surefire, a dynamic, badass player. So, yeah. And Chicago's such a proud franchise, too. Great fan base. Good for them. By, by the way, Lou, you are back on now. I uh, I was able to get yeah. my internet back. So, I've been... I've been, you know, I've been, I've been having problems all day with my internet. So, uh Took me a while to be able to refresh the page and uh, right. see your uh, see your see your uh, number pop up on the switchboard. But uh, we got you back on, uh, Lou. I want right. to go back to what we were talking about earlier uh, with the Knicks. I want to get your thoughts on the Heat seemingly having no problem whatsoever against the Knicks this uh, this series. Well. I knew when Jimmy Butler was coming back in, I knew it would be a problem for us. So that was that was a problem right there. Once he got the ball rolling, you know, it was all it was all down for him. So I wasn't surprised by that. I mean, Randall just looked, you know, Randall tried his best, of course, but you know, when you have to like Jimmy Butler bringing down your neck, it's kind of hard to do. Well, it was just it seemed kind of weird because it was like Randall. There were certain players. Once the playoffs hit, I mean, Mitchell Robinson, he was great last series against Cleveland. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he completely disappeared against yeah. uh, against Miami. And Julius Randle, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of similar with Julius Randle. You know, Julius Randle, I mean, he was okay against uh, against Cleveland. But this series, he just – completely I mean he he wasn't producing at the normal level that we normally see him produce at right I mean it just seemed kind of weird honestly that you know this was a Knicks team that everybody was looking at as having a legitimate chance to potentially make a run and all of a sudden 
you know, they yeah. run into an eighth-seeded Miami Heat team who are playing without two of their best bench players. And and one of them technically was a bench-slash-starter. So, uh, yeah. you know, it, it was it, – it seemed it seemed really odd, you know, that yes. all of a sudden an, an undermanned team, kind of like the uh, Carolina Hurricanes of the NHL, uh, an undermanned yeah. team has been able to completely dominate. And they have. So, uh, you know, let's go, let's go uh, also to the Denver and LA series. Uh, Alex and I were talking about the, you know, the potential who could potentially take this series. And Alex brought up an interesting point in saying that uh, the reason why LA had success against Golden State is Golden State is a smaller team. That's right. While, uh, whereas Denver, Denver has a lot of big men on their roster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can you, – you kind of get the feeling that perhaps that could be what potentially stops uh, LA's momentum moving forward here. I mean, what what are your thoughts on the potential, uh, you know, on on this uh, this series between Denver and LA? Who do who do you have uh, with the advantage here? I'm going to say Denver. I mean, you know, LA has LA has, has players, but Denver has just shown why they belong all year. I don't think they're gonna, you know, um, surrender so surrender so easily. You know, this does look to be, you know, a, a tight series, but Denver has been strong all year, so I don't think they're gonna, you know, blow up now. The Lakers will find their hands. Yeah. I, I think I think the Lakers really do have a fight on their hands, despite making all those moves at the deadline. Yeah. You know, I really think that you know it's going to be a true test of you know is this Lakers team really a team of destiny, or you know, it, or was it basically just a case of you know they ended up facing a smaller team in Golden State, and that's what they were able to take advantage of. Because, you know, it's not like, you know, Anthony Davis is now going to have to go up against players like Nikola Jokic, uh, you know, Aaron Gordon. He's not going to, you know, he's going to have bigger guys matching up with him. So... It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting series, and you know I'll say I'll say this right now. There's a lot of analysts that are saying that whoever wins the Boston Sixers series is going straight to the finals, and I just don't yeah. see that. I don't think it's gonna be that yeah. easy of uh, of a prediction because. Everybody said that Miami. Oh, they're competing. You know, everybody said that my that Miami was competing 
just to basically uh, make it into the playoffs and say that they made the playoffs. Nobody expected Miami to beat Milwaukee. Nobody expected Miami to beat uh, to beat New York. And now they're going to get the winner of Boston and Philly. And I mean, this is let's keep in mind this is the same. This is practically the same team that Miami had last year when they lost to Boston in the conference finals. So, I got I'm grabbing stuff. I mean, the only difference is they don't have P.J. Tucker. But other than that, they have pretty much the same team. So I would be very surprised if, you know, I, I could actually see, it's odd to say this, but I would have seen a series of Philly or Boston against Miami going to seven more than I would have seen Boston versus Philly going to seven. Mm. Uh, two division, two division conference rivals. I I really think this, you know, I really think this is a close series all throughout going to seven games. And I was right. I knew, I knew it right from the beginning. Yeah, I would. I'm honestly, I'm I'm still surprised that, uh, especially with the injury to Joel Embiid. You know, I thought that there was going to be that that he would be limited in some sort of way. I mean, he would still play, but it would be harder for him to put up the numbers that he normally puts up. But lo and behold. That, I mean, apart from one game in this series, uh, I think it was game two that he came back and he had only, I think it was like, like I don't think he even hit double digits in that game. And then all of a sudden, now, you know, he's back to being Joel Embiid, basically. So, I'm... Uh, you know, honestly, I'm very surprised that this series has even gone seven. Huh. I guess they're not something different. By the way, a little tidbit here. Uh, the New York Rangers, they are not expected to pursue Stanley Cup winning uh, coach Joel Quenville in their head coaching search. Hmm. That's one of the names that you can cross off of their list. Okay. Because uh, basically, because basically, from what I from what I've read, do not expect do not expect him to even be brought up. Yeah. Uh, some some prospects have been signed though. The Dallas Stars uh, they signed their top defensive prospect Leon Bixell to his entry level contract. Uh, their first round pick from last season. Uh, from the 2022 NHL draft uh, with the 18th overall pick. And it looks like he he scored six points in 42 games this season as uh, a defenseman for Lixans in the Swedish Hockey League. And it looks like he's he's primarily more of a defensive defenseman 
as opposed to an offensive defenseman. So uh, looks like he could potentially make the Dallas Stars roster next season, considering he is now signed officially to his entry-level deal. Uh, also, another player who is another player who has been signed, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. They have signed one of their top prospects, winger Jonathan Lacari Maki, to his three-year entry-level deal. Uh, he was their 15th overall pick last summer, after a strong showing in Sweden's junior league, uh, while holding his own with seven goals in 26 games with Jure Gardens of the SHL. Uh, he's probably played against Bixel, actually, this season. Uh, however, though, his club team was relegated down a division to Alvenskan this season, but it didn't result in a big jump in output for him, however, as he only wound up with just three goals and six assists in 29 regular season games while picking up four points in seven contests for Sweden at the World Juniors. Now, something to keep in mind here, these numbers may seem low, but you have to remember overseas, they're playing against NHL-type talent. You know, they're playing against actual big guys. Uh, It's not like... It's not like they're playing against other 18-year-old players. They're playing, uh, in some cases, against former NHL players. So the numbers may seem low, but that's because the competition level over there is much tougher. Which actually, if anything, bodes bodes better for them in 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 terms of their development because when they come to the NHL they'll have already been used to the physicality that's needed to play in the NHL. Yeah, uh, however for Le- they're, they're already kind of battle for Le- Car- Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, players yeah. that play overseas, they're already battle tested as opposed to players who play in who, who come in from their junior hockey league teams like uh, the OHL, the WHL, and the QMJHL, unless you're a top tier talent, you're going to need more development time when you're playing in the juniors. Now, if you're coming over from say Russia or the SHL over in Sweden. There's a possibility you may not need more development time. You may be eligible to play in the NHL right away. And actually, if I recall correctly, uh, per the rules, these guys will actually be able to play in the AHL next season. Because as far as the AHL goes, you have to be 20 unless you come from overseas. So if you say you played in the OHL at the age of 18 and then you got drafted and you say you get signed to a contract that same off season, you would still have to go play if you didn't if you didn't make the major league uh, the NHL roster, 
instead of being sent to the AHL, you would have to then go back and play for your junior league team until you turn 20. Uh-huh. As opposed to over overseas in the SHL, in the SHL, you know, coming over from the SHL or over from Russia, uh, you know, you would be able to, if they wanted to send you down to the AHL to for more development, that you would be able to, you know, teams would be able to do that. And uh, one thing to note as a result of this, though, uh, if he does not play in 10 games with the Canucks next season, his contract mm-hmm. will slide a year, and he will still have three years remaining. Uh-huh. So that's very important. Because even though they signed him to his three-year entry-level contract this year, he has to play in 10 games with the Canucks next season. Otherwise, that three-year deal will still remain a three-year deal after next season. Wow. But, yeah. I mean, you know, let's – Let's get some thoughts from you guys. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, players from overseas being able to, you know, being being able to, instead of playing with other players their own age, being able to play against other former NHL stars? Like, for example, you know, Yarmir Yager, when, when he spent some time out of the league, he went back to play in Russia. And he played with other, you know, he, he played in the Russian hockey league that they have over there, uh, which yeah. had a variety of ages, ranging anywhere yeah, from 17 like a, years old. I think he was still on the second line over there as a 94-year-old. Mm. Well, but he if, might be, actually. <laughs> he's still going. Yeah, he's playing about nine minutes a night. Still rocking. On the checking line. I mean, don't, you know... Don't uh, don't laugh, but I think he is still playing. Actually, I'm I'm messing around. Yeah. Terrible jokes. One of my one of my specialties. No, I love Yager, but yeah, he's no, still, I think he's still still playing. Yeah, he, he was a rookie when Led Zeppelin was around when he was a rookie. He's still going. I like it. I mean, it's almost like the um, you see it in Moscow, and then in the uh, what the Greek leagues in uh, I don't the name escapes me the actual association, but it's the same with the uh, European basketball players too, and in China. Yeah, yeah, sometimes these guys will play like Ricky Rubio or the you know some uh, Nick Batum, some of the international guys. Uh, Donkic was over there. He played what? Yeah. There, there's countless examples in basketball too, just like hockey. The league they get to the the big league over here, and they're definitely ready. You know they're they're smart beyond their years. They're they're really battle tested if they play against former pros. So I really like it for the league. What are your thoughts, Lou, uh, with with players uh, with young players overseas being able to develop themselves against uh, former major league talent? Yes. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, they have the talent, so. You know, they have it. Uh, they can play where they want. I'm on with. By, by the way, uh, he has been playing in the Czech uh, in the the Chance 
Liga nice. League. The last nice. The last six seasons, he played and he played in twenty six games this year at the age of fifty, with five goals and nine assists in uh, would have in twenty six games. Would have been a better scoring threat than most of the Ranger forwards this year. Honestly, probably. But it's it's kind of funny though when you when you consider how old he is and the fact that he's still playing. It's awesome. uh, because it's awesome. I mean, let's face it. He's he's treated as a and actually I'm wrong. He's 51 and still playing. That's awesome. That is really cool. That's damn impressive. I mean, to be playing in any professional league at, at that age is awesome. No, my hat's off to Yager. I was poking poking the bear, I guess. I mean, I just I just find I just find it amazing the fact that he can still play uh at his age when most players have uh you know most players hang it up at this point absolutely that's really cool they've long hung it up yeah yep remarkable anyways going over to the nfl uh we do have quite a bit of Oh, by the way, before I forget, actually, before we go to the to the NFL, uh, during his exit interview that he gave with the media today, uh, New York Knicks bench player Evan Fournier has said that he is going to get traded this off season. <laughs> Fournier, who has, Good. who has one guaranteed season remaining on his contract, fell out of the rotation in mid-November and only appeared in 27 regular season games. Yeah, that was a dreadful uh, acquisition when they got him. And they started him when they were really bad when they first got Thibodeau, and then when they got good, he was nailed to the bench and not allowed to play any meaningful minutes. So happy trails, Evan. Yeah, he's like a soft, erratic shooter. He, he does nothing else but shoot, and he was not shooting well. So his ass got nailed to the end of the bench for good reason. He can he can go play overseas. I, I mean, maybe he can be like a end of the bench for he another team, but he couldn't play at all for the Knicks. So we'll see what he can actually do for any other team. Yeah, it it, it does. he basically he's almost the definition of getting the bag and yeah completely shutting himself down for the entire rest of his career. <laughs> And then he's like, I'm going to get traded. The Knicks are just, like, shaking their heads, like, would you shut up? You have no right to speak at all. You're stealing from us. <laughs> yeah, just just quietly take your money and go home. Yeah. Yeah, he's literally just stealing money. Yeah. Also, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, he does hope to have a larger role within the uh, Warriors rotation next season. So, it is possible he could uh, – Depending on what they uh, on what they decide to do with changing the roster, he could have a bigger role next season. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you you brought up a good point. I didn't even realize he was that young, Steve. I mean, twenty years old, got a lot of still a lot of room to grow. So hopefully, he can really step it up next year. Right. Yeah. Uh. Heading over to the NFL, uh, we got some, we got an NFL agent under fire 
Uh, ESPN's Brooke Pryor is reporting that NFL agent David Cantor is under investigation for contacting teams during the NFL draft and offering the use of vacation properties if a team drafted one of his clients. And the investigation is being led by the NFL Players Association, who represented 21 players in this most recent class. Uh, Packers second-round wide receiver Jaden Reed and Rams seventh-round defensive tackle Dejuan Johnson, uh, a.k.a. the draft's Mr. Irrelevant, are both Cantor clients. And an NFL general manager confirmed to Pro Football Talk that he did receive an offer from Cantor and knows at least two GMs who received similar offers. And now the Rams, not just the Rams, but also the Packers, are expected to probably be at the center of this investigation. And in particular, the Rams, with the team drafting a cancer client on the last pick of the draft. Uh, GSE Worldwide, who is the network, I guess, that cancer is employed by, has said that Cantor acted within the NFL rules and expects the situation to be resolved in the coming weeks. Now, that seems kind of shady to me. If you have three general managers who, of course, are speaking anonymously, but if you have three general managers who all claim that you – offered the use of your vacation properties in an attempt to get your to get your clients drafted. I'm sure agents have done worse, but yeah, that's not a good that's definitely uh unethical and that guy's definitely gonna get punished in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. I mean I wouldn't think that you know I wouldn't think that uh, this is just going to go away. Well, you yeah. know, and nothing's going to come of this because it is kind of, when you think about it, it is kind of fishy that, you know, he gets a client drafted in the second round and then doesn't get any other client until the very last pick of the draft. Right. Drafted. Wow. I mean, that seems very, very fishy to me. <laughs> yeah. It sounds very suspicious. Jerry Maguire is laughing somewhere. It's, you know, I would definitely, I definitely think this isn't the last we're going to hear of this situation. And I wouldn't be surprised if more, if more, uh, more things all of a sudden start coming out about it. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter has has officially reported that Commander's owner Daniel Snyder has entered into a purchase and sale agreement with a group led by 76ers and Devils owner Josh Harris. And 
This news comes just a day after it was reported that the sale of the team could be complicated by Snyder and his request for the league to not publicly release a report of his transgressions that has been compiled <laughs> over the last several months. Sure, Daniel. We, yeah. We won't tell anyone now that you're agreeing to sell. Yeah, you're not going to be in trouble for any of the laws that you've broken. Good, good idea, Daniel. I don't think it works like that. Now, it is notable that this sale is still subject to NFL approval, but this does appear to be a done deal. With the fact that he has officially entered that agreement. So, basically, the Washington Commanders, uh, the uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing, uh, Lou. Steve Davidson's going to be very happy about this. Yeah, he should. All right, I'm going to stay online. All right, busy for two minutes. Yeah, he should be happy. Right? Yeah, it's uh, safe to say that the Washington Commanders, you know, it's uh, the new era is getting closer and closer to officially taking place. Yes. Uh, Also, Adam Schefter reported that Tom Brady, after ending his NFL career, will officially be joining a dual partnership with Raiders owner Mark Davis. And in particular, this would include pulling out of his broadcasting agreement with Fox Sports and uh, join with Mark Davis as a limited partner with the Raiders. And there was also talk that he could get involved potentially with the Dolphins before this news uh, all of a sudden came out within the last couple of days. So I mean, Lou, it just see, it just seems like he can't stay away from football. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? I would be surprised if he but, make a you know, a last ditch attempt to try again to come back. You know, it ju- it just seems odd though, Lou, that he would pull out of such a huge deal that would give him ten million dollars per year. Yeah. I take it. Steve, it's my time Steve, it's my time to boogie. Lou, love you guys. I'm I'm checking out for the night. All right, Steve. All right, Alex. Thanks for coming. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you next talk to you next week. All right. Yep, talk to you All next week. Right, I, I wouldn't surprise you. Got you got it. Yeah, you you're not surprised? No. I, you know, I mean he's pulled this before, so what's the thing he's not gonna pull it again? I mean, he's still got one more year before he goes to the broadcasting booth. So, you know, he's, I think he's going to try to pull something, you know, one more one more time. What? Like you like you think that he'll go and play, he'll go and play for the Raiders as a part owner, part player? Yes. Huh. Knowing him, you know, I never really it. thought of that. Hmm. I don't know if you can even do that. I don't think there's anything that rules against it. Yeah, you know, I I didn't even know that you could even do that. That you could play, uh, you could all you could play while also being a part owner. 
I mean, that reminds me of hockey players uh, in particular in the AHL. They had a – in the AHL, uh, Springfield in particular, had a player who also was a coach. He was an assistant coach, but he was also a player. That has been done. Yeah, it has been, but it just seemed it just seemed really weird. Like it's something it's something I honestly I haven't seen before, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so I mean I've seen it in hockey, but I didn't think that you could potentially see that in like football. I think they can do it in all sports, uh, really. They've done soccer too. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can you can kind of see it in soccer. I could see it in soccer. Uh-huh. Who who is the in, who did it in soccer? Well, I think it's, I think it's been done in the MLS. Oh, in the MLS, okay. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL, it looks like a fire sale has officially started. Oh, as the Minnesota Vikings have traded away defensive end Zadarius Smith along yep. with a sixth and seventh round pick in 2025 to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for fifth round picks in 2024 and 2025. Uh, I mean, Lou, I'm just kind of puzzled by this. Yeah. Because he returned to the Pro Bowl last year with 10 sacks. Mm. And now he's going to be paired up with Miles Garrett. I mean, I understand Minnesota has been having some problems coming to terms on an agreement, on an extension with him. But honestly, this seems – I'm wondering if they tried to sell him before the deadline and they just couldn't. Hmm. Because this seems like a pretty low price to get for him. I mean, only a sixth round, only a sixth and seventh round pick. Uh, I mean, yeah, they had to attach a sixth and seventh round pick with him in order to get two fifth round picks back. Mm. I mean, to me, that, that basically just screams salary dump. It does. It's a big dumping point. And now there's a rumor that Dalvin Cook might be next, according to Diana Russini of ESPN, because their general manager Diana, was apparently non-committal on his future. It was from Diana. I'll believe it. Yeah, that's the thing. It, you know, normally Di- Diana Rossini is one of ESPN's trusted reporters. So yes, she if she's saying it, it's likely true. But it's, it's honestly, it's just kind of surprising because he's been their number one running back for quite some time. Mm. And this would mean that Alexander Madison would then be the starting running back. Now, 
and here's the here's the kicker too. They're not going to trade him. They're likely going to release him. Which is odd when you think about it because it's kind of like Ezekiel Elliott. You know, when, when Ezekiel Elliott got released from Dallas, you would almost think that if there's if you're getting rid of a star, you would want to try to get something back for him. And it seems like Minnesota's going the same way of Dallas and saying, No, nah, we just wanna get we wanna get rid of this cap hit. But you do. So, I mean, what what are your thoughts, Lou? Uh, Minnesota, it it, it kind of seems like you know they're they're heading towards a rebuild. Yeah, as far as I hate that word, but it does seem like they are uh, rebuilding because, um, you know, despite the fact they had you know a good season last year, but you know. Um, I think, you know, a rebuild uh, might be in order here. Which is odd, considering the fact that I believe they just came to terms with Kirk Cousins on an extension. Mm. So, basically, you're telling Kirk Cousins, yeah, you're you're not really our quarterback of, I mean, you're you're going to be our bridge quarterback. Uh, while we get ready with, uh, you know, to undergo this rebuild here. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to seriously build around you. It just seems odd to me, Lou. It is odd. Uh, also around the league, uh, the newest defensive tackle, for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Carter, he is facing a wrongful death lawsuit in the death of his former Georgia teammate, Devin Willock. Oh, Willock's father is reportedly seeking $40 million for the death of his son, alleging oh, wrongful boy. death, negligent hiring, and negligence, according to CBS Sports' Shahan Jayaraha. Yeah. Willick was killed in a drunk driving accident last January and was the passenger in a car that was racing a vehicle driven by Carter. Carter pleaded no contest to the charges of racing and reckless driving, and he was sentenced to 12 months probation in addition to 80 hours of community service. The lawsuit also mentions Carter's alleged pattern of excessive speeding prior to the accident as something that Sarkani Auto Group failed to take into consideration when they provided him with his vehicle as part of an NIL deal. Now, for NIL, that's obviously having to do with uh, uh, basically the next-in-line sort of deal. I mean, this is probably why Carter fell yeah. to the Eagles like he did in the draft. Because any you know any team that's going to pick up that's going to pick him up is going to have to deal 
with those problems, you know, with, uh, you know, the baggage that comes with them. So, all right, well, what are your th- what are your thoughts on that, Lou? I mean, it, he pleaded no contest, which basically is the same thing as almost pleading guilty, basically. Yes. I mean, what are your what what are your thoughts here? Do you think that maybe he might face some sort of discipline from uh, from the Eagles? Like maybe no, no, maybe he that. may even uh, he may even be dropped, perhaps. I think it's a distinct possibility. It could be dropped. I mean, he's already playing no contest, so he's it's already he's admitting he's guilty. So obviously, there's going to be some uh, punishment to be be taken in. I just think they may even release him. Yeah, you know, I I don't know if he, I yeah. don't know if he has signed his rookie deal yet, but. You know they may they may be better off not even you know not even signing him. With Xavier to be Ward, perfectly the honest, yeah, I think that's what going to have to do. So it's you know it's it's a quite a quite a bit of a, a conundrum that uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are stuck with here. Because he would be a massive upgrade to their defensive to their you know defensive line, especially with players like Fletcher Cox getting a lot older and almost on their way out. But at the same time, he comes with baggage like this. Right. Uh Otherwise, a little bit of good news here. Uh, the Saints have signed tight end Foster Moreau, formerly of the Vegas Raiders, to a three-year contract worth up to $12 million. Now, this comes after he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, he was, And it ended up being spotted during a physical that he had at the Saints facility when he worked out for them as a free agent. So now it does sound like he will attempt to play this season after uh, after originally looking like he was probably going to be out for at least this season. It sounds like yeah. he has received a very positive diagnosis from doctors. And he is still getting treatment, but it won't impact his participation. And, I mean, he did struggle to command uh, targets, only catching 33 of 54 targets last season in Vegas, uh, even while Darren Waller missed much of the season for the Raiders. Uh, Moreau did have 12 touchdowns in four seasons with the Raiders, and he profiles as a streaming option in New Orleans under the offense of Derek Carr. However, Taysom Hill, though, still looks like the primary tight end on that roster. So, I mean, very positive news when it comes to uh, when it comes to the New Orleans Saints here, and it's it's good that you know that he's getting 
a chance to, you know, even even though his uh, his physical was basically interrupted by the bad news that came when it came, when it comes to uh, you know his uh, lymphoma his Hodgkin's lymphoma condition, mm. but good news now because he is officially signed for the next three years. Also, uh, guard Shaq Mason is finalizing a three-year, $36 million extension with the Houston Texans. He will get $22 million guaranteed with a $10 million signing bonus. Uh, he started all 17 games last season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and was acquired in a trade this past offseason or during this offseason. Uh, this deal will make him one of the highest-paid guards in the NFL currently. And honestly, it is deserved. He is a, you know, he is a two-time Super Bowl-winning guard, and I'm, I'm still dumbfounded as to why the Patriots got rid of him in the first place when they traded him to, to uh, Tampa Bay. I'm still dumbfounded as it is. Don't lie. Uh, also, according to ESPN's Rich Simony, uh, defensive tackle Quinnen Williams and the New York Jets aren't close to an agreement on an extension. Uh, Dexter Lawrence signed an extension last week with the Giants, giving the two sides uh, even more data uh, to use in negotiations. Williams is skipping voluntary workouts and is on the fifth-year option on his deal, slated to hit free agency in 2024. Uh, However, Simony does write that the Jets could potentially franchise Tag Williams in 2024 as well, after Mm -hmm. he was a first-team All-Pro last season and will be likely seeking more than what Lawrence and Jeffrey Simmons got earlier this offseason. So, could be a little bit of trouble, Lou, uh, out there in I New York, so. even with even even with uh, you know Aaron Rodgers coming uh, coming in and whatnot. It seems like there's a little bit of a a little bit of trouble brewing potentially. I'm not surprised. Even with Aaron Rodgers, that's not, that's not going to solve your problem. So we're in for. It's, you know, it could be a it could be pretty rough uh, this season. But All right, just my opinion. Up. That would be a pretty significant loss if yeah. they lose Quinn and Williams. It would be. I mean, we've already lost enough quarterbacks and players in positions. So, uh, you know, because when we lost Mike White, that was another problem. That's how we lost and our win our losing streak. If we lose uh, Williams, even even with that rising, that's not going to be enough. Well, no, Williams. Williams is a defensive tackle, but the thing is, is you know, he's he's one of their big. You know, when you talk when you talk about defensive uh, defensive players, he's probably one of their big options on defense. Yes. So. I mean, you saw you saw the Giants get it done with Dexter Lawrence. 
the Jets are going to have to man up and get and give Quentin Williams what he wants. Yeah. Because if you get if you let Quentin Williams walk, that's a huge. You know, that's basically how should I put this? That, that's like the Patriots letting Richard Seymour leave, or letting Vince Wilfork yeah. leave. I mean, that is that's a sizable loss that that's the Jets will have to endure. Yeah, that's the last thing the Jets need. Another sizable loss. Also, uh, Panthers head coach Frank Reich has said that Bryce Young has showed complete command of the offense in his first practice with the team. He enters the OTAs as the Panthers' second quarterback, but it mm-hmm. sounds like he could potentially be making a case to be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. And I mean, to be honest, Lou, I, I can't—we can't really say that we're surprised by this no. because I mean, if if he's drafted number one overall, you got to think he's going to be starting. Oh, I would imagine so. But he he comes in as number two behind Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. I'm, oh God. I mean, I guess I, I guess I get it considering Andy Dalton's history in the league, but. I'm sorry, you know, if I'm a team that's rebuilding. Like, uh, you know, like the Carolina Panthers are. Obviously, I'm not in any sort of rush to be to win right away. I would put the kid out there. Have the kid start. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, Andy Dalton is there to provide veteran leadership, basically, to provide, to provide depth in case of in case of an issue like a like an injury or something. I mean, yeah, he can still yeah. play, but I'm sorry, you know, if I'm a team that's in the middle of a rebuild, you got to give Bryce Young the opportunity to show you what he can do. Which unless their plan is to have Andy Dalton start these these two years that he's because uh, he signed with Carolina for two years. Mm. If their plan is to have him start these two years, and then all of a sudden, you know, Bryce Young starts year three. Honestly, that's what. <laughs> That's like a waste of a, of a first overall pick, in my opinion, because you've yeah, already really. wasted two years of his career. Right, what what yeah. are your thoughts on this, Lou? Uh, what are your thoughts on this with Bryce Young entering the season as the number two quarterback? I don't, know. I don't think it's a very smart move there at all. Number two quarterback, even behind Dalton? Dalton's a washout. And he's a... He's never really had much of a great, solid career, despite his years playing, but oof, talk about your double trouble here. 
I mean, and Bryce Young going with, uh, he doesn't look like a solid quarterback either. So I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of trouble here. Ugh. Yeah, I, I mean, I... There's the thought. I understand, I understand Andy Dalton's the veteran, so of course he would get, you know, the... Uh, he would get the benefit of the doubt, but... I mean, come on! If you sign if you sign him to a two year deal, and and you're making him believe he's the starter, why the fuck do you go and draft Bryce Young? Why would anyone want to draft Bryce Young? Like, are you really going to have Bryce Young sit his first two seasons in the league? No, of course not. That's Unless stupid. you're going to have. Unless you're going to have Andy Dalton be the backup in his second season, forget. I mean, it. it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Why? Why would you draft him number one overall? Right. Just to not play him. That'd be that'd be a that'd be a waste. You're gonna you're gonna draft a I mean, player and not play him for the first two years. So where where's the logic in that? There is no logic. And you're gonna have Dalton. You're gonna have Dalton back him up. Uh, well, yeah, Dalton would be the. Are you trying to run a football team or a suicide mission? I mean, Dalton would be the backup technically if if uh, Bryce Young beats him out in uh, in training camp. Dalton would be the backup. Oh, oh, more's the pity. Oh. I mean, it's just I. I honestly, I, I don't really know what Carolina's thinking. I, I'm hoping that maybe per, maybe perhaps they come to their senses and and they make him the uh, the starter because I I just don't see why you would waste a first round pick or why you would waste a first overall pick just to not play him his first season. Then why would you draft him in the first place? Exactly. I mean, they could have gone. Any, they could have gone anywhere with that first overall pick. Yeah, and people think I'm stupid. Okay. Uh, also, a little <laughs> interesting <laughs> here. Uh, we're going to sign you with to a uh, to your deal. The bad is we're not going to play you. Now, why the hell are you drafting, stupid? Exactly. You know why? Why did you even draft the kid if you're if you're not going to play him? Yeah, don't be a dickhead. Uh, also, uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network uh, uh, reportedly told Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show that he got a lot of pushback from the Niners for suggesting that Trey Lance will open the season behind Sam Darnold. Boy, now. This basically suggests that Sam Darnold is seen in that organization as the number three starter. With them, Sam, with, with them uh, having Brock Purdy as the as the number one starter and Trey Lance as the number two starter. Mm. I mean, let's face it. Sam has not had has not been one of the best quarterbacks. I mean, for all we know, he's probably still seeing ghosts somewhere. So uh, probably, I, w- I wouldn't. Talk but at the same, at the same time, though, I would expect 
that they would probably be looking to trade Trey Lance because once again, this comes to another wow. another uh, situation here. Why the hell do you uh, do you sign Sam Darnold in the off season if he's just going to be the number three quarterback? Yeah. And obviously, you know, Brock Purdy, you you guys have made it well and clear that you know, he's your he's your franchise quarterback now. Mm-hmm. So, why do you sign Sam Darnold and uh, especially after you invested so much in Trey Lance, uh, you have to be thinking about trading Trey Lance now. So I don't understand the pushback. I don't understand yeah, the pushback dude, that uh, that Ian Rappaport is getting here. Yeah, I don't get it either. I yeah, I I honestly I just don't understand it. Uh, also around the league, free agent cornerback Kevin King, the former Packers cornerback who took last yeah. season off. Uh, he will now miss the entire 2020, uh, the entire 2023 season with a torn Achilles tendon, as he injured himself while working out this off season. And obviously, with this type of injury, uh, he will miss the entire 2023 season while recovering from the injury. As of course, he now has to have surgery on it. So uh, that is one player who is officially out of the mix for any team. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Chicago Bears, they have signed tight end Steven Carlson, formerly of the Browns, to a one-year deal. Uh, He received a rookie camp invite and ultimately did enough to earn a one-year deal from the Bears. Uh, they did also bring in free agent tight end Robert Tanyan from the Packers on a one-year deal this offseason as well. So looks like the Bears are stocking up on tight end depth uh, to get ready for a training camp battle alongside starter Cole Komet. As they now, with this signing, they now have five tight ends on their roster. I mean, you want to talk about an overabundance? Yes. I mean, good Lord. Exactly. Yeah, that's just way, way too much. Overboard. Uh, Let's see. The Houston Texans, they also just recently, as of today, signed cornerback Shaquille Griffin formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars, to a one-year, $4.5 million deal. Uh, He had played the previous two seasons in Jacksonville, but was a cap casualty this offseason, which saved them over $13 million against the cap for the Jaguars. Uh, He lasted only five days on the open market before joining the Texans on a one-year deal. Uh, so now he will likely work uh, opposite Derek Stingley Jr. in what pro- which, what amounts to be a prove-your-health deal after missing a total of 13 games for the Jaguars with a back injury back in 2022. 
Uh, oh, okay. So the Washington Post has reported that members of the NFL Finance Committee believe it's unlikely that the owners will vote to approve the sale of the commanders during their meeting Uh-oh. coming up on the 22nd and 23rd. Uh, the NFL has raised concerns over the sale of the commanders and a large number of limited partners in the new owner's deal. Harris is expected to be approved, but the vetting could delay the process and put the chances of taking over before week one in jeopardy. However, though, it says if no vote is taken, the NFL could schedule a meeting for the owners to vote this summer. So maybe perhaps uh, everything is not said and done yet when it comes to the Washington Commanders as we were led to believe earlier. Yes. Something had to go wrong. Oh, yeah. But anyways, uh, I think that is going to that is going to wrap it up for tonight. I'm going to cut tonight's uh, show a little bit short. A reminder for any fans of Survivor, catch the Survivor 44 recap show. We only have two episodes left. Uh, starting this Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, as we will recap everything that goes on leading up to finale night in two weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, Also, obviously, Sports Whispers Weekly will be back next week at 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. Uh, If you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast on blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE. You can find us also on any major podcast network out there. So iTunes, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, and we're probably on there. Uh, I do want to thank Lou, Diane, Kyle, and Alex for all joining me tonight. Uh, We will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night.